Podmortem would like to thank Original Cinematic for sponsoring this week's episode. Original Cinematic is a production company that has made it their mission to create, produce, and promote films that are inclusive, honor women, promote the LGBTQIA community, and provide prominent positions and roles to POC actors and filmmakers, and promote the films of marginalized and underrepresented populations. These are all things that are extremely important to our podcast as well. Original Cinematic is proud to be a WGA signatory company, and they fully stand by the WGA and its members in their fight for extremely reasonable standards. Accordingly, they are not accepting scripts or treatment submissions at this time, but both William and Zena Rush are available via email free of charge to discuss writing and provide input and resources to all aspiring writers. Their information will be made available in the show notes. Ahead of the strike, William Rush has individually produced numerous projects, including Coffee with Baba, Day by Day, They Slay, Before, Pack is Here, Abiquiu, The Winemaker, and Where Do You Draw the Line? Two feature films, Group and Immersion, are slated for release this fall. Absolutely no picket lines will be crossed and no collective bargaining agreements will be violated in the making of either of these films. And very generously, Original Cinematic is providing all Podmortem patrons with a special link to view these films. If arrangements can be made, they will even schedule virtual or in-person screening for our patrons. We cannot thank Original Cinematic enough for their contribution to our show and the horror community as a whole. Now, back to our regularly scheduled program. Salutations! Welcome to Podmortem. I'm Renee Hunter Vasquez, joined as always by my co-host, my husband, and my brother. Hi, I'm John Paul Vasquez. Hi, I'm Travis Hunter. This week, we are recording live from the Pakanak Lodge, discussing the 1981 horror slasher sequel, Friday the 13th, Part 2. This film was directed by Steve Miner and written by Ron Kurz, based on characters by Victor Miller and Sean S. Cunningham. Due to the unexpected success of the original film, Paramount producers were swift in their decision to catapult Friday the 13th into a franchise. With this next installment being released only a year after its predecessor, this newly assembled crew behind the scenes got to work quickly. To its credit, Friday the 13th Part 2 provides an interesting new cast of characters, interesting kills, and introduces Jason Voorhees as the horror icon known and loved today. This film was requested to us by friends of the show, Spooky Mom, Donna Eason, Smelly Poo Poo Head, and Jasmine. We want to thank them so much for their support as well as this suggestion. So, what did you guys think about Friday the 13th Part 2 the first time you saw it? So, this was the first time I watched it. Wow. (laughs) Um, Yeah, watching it, I was like, I don't know what the hell any of this is. I was like, I've never seen this movie. Um, It's okay. Um, (laughs) Oh, no. No, it was fun. It was all right. It was, um, I don't want to, I, uh, I'm not saying it's generic. Okay. And then. <laughs> That's uh, what I got. But, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm not saying it's generic. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, um, but it, it, it was a good time. I do. I, I'm, I thought that we were, I don't know why that like Jason was going to be 
full-blown hockey mask as soon as we seen him. I don't know why, but that was that's what I expected. Like I really just expected him to come out and you hear the choo, choo, cow, cow. and it's like, <laughs> oh shit, he's fucking everybody up. Yeah. But that, that's not that's not what was going on here. There's a lot of skulking. A yeah. lot. <laughs> a lot of feet shuffling. Mm-hmm. You know. Uh, he gets it from his mama. He learned her methods. Yeah. So. yeah. Spoiler but, alert. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it it was a it was a fun movie. It's very 80s. Uh I do like it. Um but I I wanted the hockey mask. I think that's what I was looking for. Baghead Jason is cool. I did like that. Um but I I just was under the impression that he was always just the hockey mask guy. I knew there was a baghead thing, but I thought it was like one of those instances where he like looks at the bag, then looks at the hockey mask, <laughs> looks with the bag back at the hockey mask, and he's just like, nah, this is cooler. And he just puts it on. Or it's but, like a game where you pick your Oh you yeah. Pick your <laughs> Flip the coin, he's like hockey mask it is. Right. He's like, fuck it. But it is it is a pretty good movie. I, I I won't even try to lie and you know, whatever. And yeah, it's it's not perfect, but it, it's not bad either. I, I wouldn't say it, to me that it's a it was a bad movie. I, I mean, I think I agree. I watching it. Uh, I think this is the second time I've seen it. Mm-hmm. First time was just a few years ago, and my thoughts on it then were, you know, it was all right. It was pretty good. It wasn't great. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. You know, I mean, to me, Friday the Thirteenth has never really been my franchise. Right. And I, I've been, I've made no secrets of that. Mm-hmm. I just think that um, I still somehow have that reverence for the first film Mm -hmm. i think that the twist of the first film is pretty good oh yeah i think betsy palmer is fantastic and so it kind of works Mm -hmm. this film that (laughs) the mystery element is just it's just gone yeah (laughs) and so the draw that got me it's like if a scream film began and they're like i'm (laughs) (laughs) it's me yeah so follow me around Right. And uh, well, my point of view. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So, but I mean, the film, I don't know. With all due respect, I just feel like it, it didn't give me enough to hold on to. Right. Some of that is because of uh, the ratings board. Okay. Uh, getting in the way of certain scenes that probably would have been more iconic if we had gotten to see them. Mm-hmm. Some of that is, I guess, just kind of the feeling of uh, we got to make another one of these. That's what it is for me. <laughs> Um, and I got to admit, you know, and I, this is a very unpopular opinion. Never liked hockey mask Jason. Okay. I, I was always, uh, a bigger fan. Once I learned that baghead Jason existed, mm-hmm. I was like, you know, I also enjoyed the time the dreaded Sundown. I know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so this is pretty great. Yeah. Um, I like, I like baghead Jason. I, I would prefer, I mean that, that, that to me seems more realistic. Okay. He, you know, I don't know. Maybe there was a field hockey. Uh, maybe that's. I've always wondered where, how he gets the mask because I haven't seen Me anything. Me too. Yeah, I'm waiting to to figure that out. But that's what out. I'm saying. You've we've always just seen him with it. Yeah, and that for me is what became you know like a symbol for him. That's yeah. What, you see it. It's like oh, Jason. Yeah. Even if it has nothing to do with them, and it's like a Mighty Ducks mask or some shit. It's like oh, Jason. It's a hockey mask. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? It's that's, the whole thing. Yeah. That's how I feel. Is that the hockey mask is more iconic just because it does scream Jason? Mm-hmm. But I think the the bag is scarier to yeah. me. Yeah. 
Because it seems more, it's more rudimentary. Okay. Yeah. It is. This is all I had. Yeah. This is. I do need to see. Yeah. But. but <laughs> <laughs> just out of the one. Just yes, out. Yeah. We're fine. We don't have time to. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we have shit to do. There's counselors afoot. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, you know, I don't know. I Two of the murders uh, in this film are borrowing very heavily from a film by a director that I really love. Mm-hmm. And so I, I look again, I have no issues with uh, standing on the shoulders of artists that came before you. For right. sure. But you don't copy beat for beat. We'll talk more about that later. Yeah. Okay. For sure. All right. Well, um, I enjoyed that film a lot more. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody can see you, but you set your notes down. Like, like yeah, I'm, I'll rest my game. <laughs> That's about all I have for the intro. <laughs> what did you think of it, Nate? <laughs> um, I agree with y'all. I feel like for me, Jason, the movies as a whole, from my understanding, because I'm not familiar with them. This is the this is my first time watching part two. Um, It's kills. That's what everybody who loves Jason says about Jason. And so I'm like, OK, maybe that this isn't going to be the most fleshed out story. But we're going to see some fucking badass kills. It's Jason. Yeah. And we don't. And I don't think that that's this film's fault. Like you were saying. Yeah. That MPAA, you know, always sticks their fucking fingers and everything. Mm -hmm. But we don't get that. No, not at all. And then we also don't really get a fleshed out story. That is very important because there is a huge um, <laughs> gulf between what the fuck happened in the first film. See, that, yeah. that's, that's where I'm getting. Okay. Uh, because... I love the twist of the first one. And the older I get, the better it is. Mm -hmm. It's so good. So this film, just its existence, or I'll say Jason's existence, really undercuts that. Because, I mean, why wouldn't you be like, no, mom, stop. Yeah. <laughs> I'm right here, stop. I, mean, <laughs> I don't know. Again, this is not my franchise. I don't know if that's explained later. Right. But from where I'm sitting right now, all, so much could have been avoided. Yeah. <laughs> so I just don't, I don't understand. No, I, <laughs> I agree 100%. And I will say, look, this, the same thing as you're saying. Any entry of Friday the 13th that, that we watch from here, mm -hmm. I have never seen. Yeah. I have never seen one film where Jason is wearing the hockey mask. The yeah. full thing. Yeah. I was talking to our friend uh, Megan M yesterday and she said that three is the best one. Okay. So I am excited to get there. I, I wonder if that's where like the the kills kind of find their footing or uh, were allowed to find their footing. Okay. But I am excited and I did not dislike this. No. It just felt... The only word I can really think is underwhelming. It was not bad. And I think we get a really cool character. Yeah, we were talking about that off mic. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, I really like her. It's just, you know, I'm like, I, I think I, I obviously didn't go back and listen to the first when we covered the first one. But I'm pretty sure that I was like, now, how are y'all going to get out of this one? Like yeah. the story <laughs> that you told the first time. So I was kind of excited. Okay, so explain how this is true and they're like no <laughs> we're not gonna do that so you know just um i don't know i don't want to say fully disappointment but it was underwhelming because the things that i was going into this being like oh it's gonna be great kills oh they're gonna explain his very existence none of that was accomplished well, there's there's even a quote from Ron Kurz, the screenwriter, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and he had said basically that, and this is, you know, we'll learn even more, but they do deal with something of a time jump. 
Yeah. Yeah. And he said the reason for doing that is because he didn't want to fill in the blanks of how this is even possible. But you still need to. <laughs> I'd like whether, to know. Well, whether it's the next <laughs> night or 50 years later, I still need to understand. Yeah. But I mean, like, really, if he had already drowned, then he and him being alive, he shouldn't be alive. So you can really kind of do whatever you want with that. And why didn't you maybe lean into that more? How he came back or what happened or what was Miss Voorhees doing that he did come back? Or like, or a, that, like a supernatural thing. Something. I mean, <laughs> that's what that's what bothers me is because it's so easy to make him a ghoul in this film. Yeah. But they're like on the featurette, they're like, he's not a ghoul. He's yeah. don't, <laughs> don't say that. I don't get it. I even had seen a quote from Tom Savini and he was like, it, it does not make sense. Well, no. <laughs> he was no. like, you're telling me nobody saw this kid running around. <laughs> I'm like, well, but, for years. And yeah. then what's he eating? Yeah, I don't. <laughs> oh, I don't well, know. Well, I mean, well, we've yeah. got ideas. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but so then that doesn't that doesn't help the story now that he's a deadite. How does that lead into it? Oh, what in the future? Yeah. Oh, I don't know. Well, does he die again? I don't know this franchise. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. We're all gonna go through this together. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I, I did want to talk a little bit about the production. I know we did a lot of research trying to <laughs> figure out. Yeah. <laughs> but on a making of documentary, the film came together exactly as you would expect for this film to come together. Mm-hmm. Friday the 13th was a runaway hit and nobody expected it to be. And so Paramount is saying, uh, we need another one. As they would. Yeah. yeah. And the thing about it that really shocked me is that the film is released and then four months later... Friday the 13th part two has already begun production. That's that's too much. <laughs> that's wild. That's really fast. Yeah. That <laughs> is striking while the iron's hot. Yeah, and from, but... from, a, from a business standpoint, I get it for sure. But, and I had, I had read that Cunningham and Miller, who did the first one, had wanted it to be an anthology series and that we can keep pumping these out. It's just crazy shit happening on Friday the 13th. But they're all independ- uh, independently, independent stories. It's a fucking anthology. Right. Which I already see your face, too. It does sound very familiar. Yeah. <laughs> to like, another franchise. God, was, it, was it John Carpenter and Deborah Hill that had the same? Something, yeah. something like that. Hmm. But they were shot down and told explicitly that it needed to be a direct sequel to the first one. And it needed to have Jason. The reason for that is because of the crowd reaction to the last moment in the first film. But that was a dream. Yeah, that never happened. <laughs> Sorry. That wasn't real, though. <laughs> like, even the working title for this one was Jason. Yeah. yeah. Because that's what they were like. It, <laughs> you, you need more Jason. Yeah. I mean, from a screenwriting perspective, they had talked about on that documentary. They're like, well, where else would we take it? And my answer is anywhere else. Yeah. <laughs> because you've already established this is the entire motivation for Mrs. Voorhees. Right. Yes. So let's negate all of that. Yeah. yeah. And do a sequel. It just seems it just seems like a weird way to go. I would have done maybe Jason's father. I mean, hey, it well, makes more yeah, sense. No, it, it, I, because I, the, and his wife was killed now. Now he's lost his, his son and his wife. Okay, okay. So, I mean, that, <laughs> and, and then maybe Jason after. Maybe, yeah, his, maybe. The maybe Jason love, after. Yeah, the love maybe brings they, the ghoul back. Yeah, they resurrect him. Yeah. But he needs to be a ghoul. Yes. Yeah, I'm no, just, no, see, I'm just, I want him to be a ghoul. God damn it. Yeah, I'm just laughing at how quickly you came around. 
<laughs> well, we got to get them to ghoul status. I, so, I'm fine with the ghoul. Yeah. I'm fine with the ghoul. <laughs> got to figure out a way to get them there. Yes. I think that's what's confusing. And I know that people, this is their, this is their shit. They love it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I'm definitely not yucking anybody's yum. I don't even think that it's bad. No. I just am very confused. <laughs> That's all. And I, I'm waiting for someone to be like, well, in part 87, they explain <laughs> I don't know that. I'm, I'm talking about these two films. I, I'm very confused. And it could just be that they're, that this is just the kind of franchise that you just watch and enjoy. Yeah. yeah. That if you think too much about it, that's when you ruin it for yourself. And oh, that's yeah. a problem for uh, Pod Mortem. Yeah. Because <laughs> we overanalyze. That's, yeah. That's kind of what we do. But again, you turn up the kills. You turn up kind of the body count. You don't... <laughs> leave the majority of your cast's fate ambiguous <laughs> and i'm there you know what i mean i and i know john paul you love a good turn your brain off movie oh yeah i enjoy a turn your brain off movie t i mean it's all right <laughs> it depends there's nothing wrong with that i think that there was such strong motivation and a driving force behind our killer in one that you come to two and it's like i guess you're kind of doing the same motivation but it's like you shouldn't exist <laughs> i mean i don't know i know that their whole marketing campaign was based on the body count being larger mm -hmm. and so i think they knew what this film is but then the mpaa again which is so unfair because i really would like to have seen what this would have been if they were we loved what you did so much the first time that we want you to do it again but not so fast like just let them make it it's yeah it is annoying the 80s were a weird time yeah mm -hmm. they were but one thing we have to mention before we get out of the introduction because it can't go without saying mm -hmm. that this film was directed by steve minor who also directed the greatest film of all time let's go <laughs> <laughs> now before we create a shrine for this film we would like to show a warning for spoilers podmortem is a very in-depth podcast and in thoroughly discussing horror films we have no choice but to spoil a thing or two if you don't wish to be spoiled, please go watch the film, then come back and enjoy the show. If you've already seen the film or don't care about spoilers, then let's camp out. Now, this film relies heavily on having already seen Friday the 13th. If you haven't, we suggest you go watch it or listen to episode 70 of our show as a refresher. The film opens on a street at nighttime. A child, Jesse, walks along the street. We only see his feet splashing in the rain puddles as he walks on the side of the street singing Itsy Bitsy Spider. Is this the It miniseries? Or? I know. <laughs> <laughs> his mother calls out to him to get in the house right now. And after a minor protest and splashing in the water one more time, Jesse departs. Just as his feet leave our view, someone else's step into frame. We see jeans and boots as someone trails in the direction where Jesse left. So we're going to talk about a little bit of the kind of a controversy regarding who played Jason when yeah. later. But this shot, Jason is played by Ellen Lutter, the costume designer for the film. All right. That's cool. I thought that was neat. Yeah. yeah. I will say um, that boy, Jason was right there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he did. It wasn't like, hey, or no, you not know. at all. No, just He's like splash. <laughs> <laughs> He probably thought that looked fun. He's like, fuck, I want to do yeah. that. And Jason's like, no, I don't want to yeah, do that. Like, oh, never mind, never mind. Oh, yeah. Please, oh, don't. Never mind. Please don't oh, do that. Oh, poor Jason. <laughs> we cut to a bedroom where Alice, played by Adrian King, is having a fitful sleep. She whimpers and cries out in the throes of her nightmare. 
I do want to say before we get to that bedroom, mm-hmm. we do see a POV shot of somebody approaching a suburban house mm-hmm. and staring up into a window that is lit. And haven't we borrowed enough from Halloween? Um, it's actually <laughs> never been done before, so I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> right, I've never seen that movie. What? Never. <laughs> yeah. What are you talking about? My heart's broken. But <laughs> <laughs> just continue, please. But through Alice's nightmare, we get a flashback. Alice coming face to face with Mrs. Pamela Voorhees, played by Betsy Palmer, at Camp Crystal Lake. Previously on Friday the 13th. (laughs) (laughs) And this goes on for like five minutes. It does. And it's so interesting that her memory is shot in the third person. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And soon we get shots of Mrs. Voorhees' memory. (laughs) Yeah. No shit. (laughs) Through her midst like fucking Inception. I don't know. (laughs) It's amazing. Alice, please, I hope you say the main character. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for real. You have supernatural abilities. <laughs> With a smile, Pamela introduces herself and tells her that she's an old friend of the Christie's. Alice continues to pant in her sleep as she recalls pleading with Pamela, begging her not to leave her because he will kill her too. Pamela insists that she's not afraid and strides away. Alice cries out in her sleep as she remembers more. Pamela telling her that a little boy drowned here the year before two people were murdered. He drowned because the counselors were making love, not paying any attention to him as he did. Well, again, I making love <laughs> was a strong term for what was happening. There. A strong term? <laughs> I think it's a light, polite term. Okay. <laughs> so that's the decorum that you're seeking all the time making love is fantastic <laughs> that's, 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 a, that's perfect right, but what are they doing while they're making love i don't know dude <laughs> I, i'm just about they're terminology not. i'm not trying to i wasn't watching <laughs> <laughs> i have no idea anyway mrs Voorhees tells alice that the boy's name was jason she was the cook here at the camp and was here when he drowned She grabs Alice by the arms, telling her that Jason should have been watched every minute because he wasn't a very good swimmer. Her anger swells, but she composes herself, stroking Alice's hair and assuring her that they can go now. In a flashback within a flashback, (laughs) as Pamela speaks about Jason, we see him in the water. Jason, played by Ari Lehman, thrashes around desperately in the lake before becoming lost. Pamela advances on Alice, taking out a knife and accusing her of letting Jason drown. When she comes at her with the knife, Alice is able to get the better of her and run. She stumbles upon the bodies of Annie, played by Robbie Morgan, and Steve, played by Peter Brower. She screams upon their discovery and also now in her bed in (laughs) present day. (laughs) (laughs) Pamela whispers, kill her, mommy, kill her, before we see them in their final fight on the beach. Pamela has the upper hand, biting Alice and slamming her face into the sand, but Alice manages to get away and snatch up a machete. The score reaches a fever pitch as Alice swings and Pamela's head goes flying. In her flashback still, (laughs) (laughs) the next morning, she sits in a boat in the middle of a serene lake when an officer comes and finds her. Just as she sits up, Jason comes out of the water, wrapping his arms around Alice and overturning the boat as he pulls her over. In the hospital, Sergeant, still in the flashback, <laughs> to, be, to be clear. <laughs> and Mrs. Voorhees didn't deserve that. She, oh, uh, I get, I, listen, she didn't need to do all that she did, but I get why she did what she did. 
just saying that. I think we we apologize for her maybe a bit too much in episode, <laughs> <laughs> in episode seventy, um, because the it's all about the method, right? Yeah, we talk about that a lot. Yeah, I get your feelings. Your feelings are valid. We'll say, can we say that? Yeah, we can all agree on that. Yeah, mm-hmm. but he killed like six people. <laughs> yeah, that really had nothing to do. No, with well, what, <laughs> what did Kevin Bacon do? He mm-hmm, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> he made love. Am I allowed to say that? Yes. <laughs> That is a lot that's on my list of approved <laughs> terms <laughs> that have been issued by the... We de- all got the email, yes. <laughs> yes, the decorum forum is finally making some changes around here. But in the hospital, Sergeant Tierney, played by Ron Carroll, tells her that they pulled her out of the lake and asks if she remembers anything. Alice asks about Jason, the boy in the water. She wants to know if he's dead too. Sergeant Tierney is confused, but she tells him that Jason attacked her and pulled her underwater. He asserts that they did not find any boy. Alice says, then he's still there. Like underwater or in the woods or like what? Just where are there. They? It's a big camp. Yeah. <laughs> he goes, he plays it. <laughs> he's probably at the archery. Like, go check over there. I don't know. I, I want to say um, two things can be true. One, it's great to see uh, Betsy Palmer's performance again. Oh, yeah. yeah. Fantastic actress. That incredible performance Mm -hmm. as Pamela Voorhees. And that was really long of a flashback. It was so long. I couldn't believe how long (laughs) it was. (laughs) I feel like there's a certain period of horror movies where I don't know if it's too, because we talked earlier about runtime off mic. If it's too aid with the runtime or if it's, they really don't trust us to watch the original. I don't, I don't know. Maybe because I feel like this was pretty prevalent around this time to have like these, like, like you said previously on Friday. Yeah. Like, no, I'm here for part two. So I saw part one. You would well, hope. Oh yeah. yeah. Well, you know, and I think this whole thing, this whole opening, like, cause I know there's still a little bit here. Yeah. I think it's like 13 minutes. It's yeah. It's pretty long for this short of a film. Yeah. Yeah. And I will say as well, I thought that years had passed and that boy we saw at the beginning was Alice's son. Yeah. That has nothing to do with Alice. No. Yeah, not at all. (laughs) I'm like, is Jesse okay? (laughs) (laughs) Alice finally wakes up from her nightmare with a scream. She goes to the bathroom and washes her face, but as she's drying it, the phone rings. When she answers, it's her mother on the other end. Okay, that makes more... I thought she went in there to take a shower. She does later. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Then... then that was really fast. Yeah. No. <laughs> okay. I'm sorry, but I, I, all right, I'll wait because then I was like, what the fuck? All right. That, okay. But when she does shower, it is also really fast. Yes. <laughs> she apologizes for not calling earlier, explaining that she fell asleep. She assures her mom that she's fine, explaining that she just needs some time alone. She says that she appreciates her mother and her father worrying about her, but they've been over this before. And this is the only way she knows how to put her life together. Her mom seems to protest to this and saying that it's late and she doesn't want to fight. Alice quickly ends the call, promising to call her mother back tomorrow. We follow her through the house into her kitchen where she looks at a sketch that she made a woman's face, half of it marred with a red scar. Now I was very appreciative that they kept the fact that Alice is an artist. Yeah. If you recall. Yeah. Cause we were, 
it got dropped in the yeah. first one. Yeah, because they put it in, I think, only because Adrian King is an artist. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And they're like, well, I guess you can be an artist in here, too. Yeah. And then they officially make it part of the character. No, that is good. That is it, really it cool. It took a movie. Yeah. But- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they still did it. Yeah, it works. She walks away into her bedroom, but we stay lingering in the doorway. We can only see the bed as she tosses her clothes onto it and comes out, tying a robe around herself. When she goes across the hall to the bathroom, we stay in the hallway and don't follow her in until the shower starts running. Suddenly, Alice rips open the shower curtain to face us just as the phone starts ringing again. She goes back into the living room to answer it, expecting it to be her mother calling back. But when she answers, there's no one on the other end. I thought I was going to say, you hang up on me again. I'll catch you like a fish. (laughs) (laughs) But it's all right. (laughs) I did want to say I did appreciate the misdirection because the fact that we start almost in a point of view with this killer approaching the shower you're like oh is this going to be a psycho thing you know yeah or is you know because you think you're in the point of view not that psycho did the point of view of the killer because they didn't really but you think the you're killing in the shower is exactly what you mean. Yeah. yeah but the fact that we're switching from third person to point of view to we don't know what is what with the camera movement mm-hmm. yeah it could be somebody walking down the hall it could be the cinematographer right and we yeah i mean i i kind of went on a whole thing about being confused in a not great way but this is confusion in a really good way yeah yeah because you're scared yeah you're scared for her and then it's like oh no she's fine yeah you know yeah she scared us yeah Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) i'm scared (laughs) alice immediately grows suspicious and checks the locks on her front door as she peeks out of the window she walks through the house more slowly and cautiously glancing over her shoulder and rounding corners carefully I did want to call out two things. One is the score that's rising. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's Harry Manfredini again. Mm-hmm. Great work, just as the first film. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, I also really appreciate the cinematography of this section. Mm-hmm. There's maybe one cut. No, it's really, I'm a sucker for a yeah. long shot. So yeah. it's it's really impressive. I am coming around a little more to that fault when they're following the characters around. It's like, okay. Yeah. I love yeah, that. Yeah, I I'm don't like, mind that. I'm so invested every yeah. single time. Yeah. Like that scene in True Detective oh, when I man. literally was like, I'm about to throw up. Yeah. <laughs> like I literally <laughs> felt sick to my stomach. You know that sequence ends with a song by Grinderman, which is Nick Cave's side project? Love that. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> Honeybee, let's fly to Mars. <laughs> <laughs> she peeks into her bedroom, but something clatters in the kitchen. When she looks over there, she sees that the window is open and the curtains are fluttering in the breeze. She goes into the kitchen, arming herself with an ice pick as she goes. She boldly approaches the window, but just as she gets there, a cat jumps in. See, now... (laughs) (laughs) I think I can speak for all of us and say that we love love cats. Oh, Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, This cat either just really knows how to make an entrance... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> or he was tossed in by the killer. Yeah. <laughs> I think Alice should still be concerned. Oh, yeah. Right? No, absolutely. Yeah, that's the cat. is like, don't go out there. Don't go out there. Yeah. <laughs> She's startled, and the cat jumps on the table next to an empty food bowl, eyeing her expectantly. Alice puts a tea kettle on the stove and asks the cat if it wants something to eat. But when she opens up her fridge, on the shelf is the badly decayed, disembodied head of Pamela Voorhees. Alice begins to scream, but someone grabs her from behind and slides an ice pick right into her temple. The cat does not know what to do. (laughs) He's like, so food now? (laughs) Can you fucking speed it up, dude? Maybe you can feed me, sir. (laughs) (laughs) 
When the tea kettle begins to scream, an unknown hand lifts it off of the hot burner. So thank you for that. (laughs) It cuts to black and we get the title. Friday the 13th comes to the forefront and explodes, leaving part two behind it. And then we get the credits over a frantic score. We did talk last week kind of laughing because the font for Freddy's Revenge. Freddy's Revenge. Was funny to us. This was very similar. To- <laughs> <laughs> hey, but I was Jason- like, okay. I mean, Jason is known for explosives. So. <laughs> it's, it's very funny because I told your sister, I was like, this reminds me of Predator. Okay. And then Predator came after this shit. And really? I was like, oh man. I was like, did you guys rip off fucking Jason? <laughs> so Predator reminds you yeah, of Friday the 13th part two. But it's the, the music, the way it is at the beginning. I was like, what the fuck? And I looked and I think Predator was 87. Wow. So I was like, oh, I was like, okay, well, I mean, I guess you really like Jason. Hey, good for but, them. But it is very 80s. The explosion, the yeah. like part two. All right, <laughs> cool, dude. Say less. <laughs> yeah, and I will. I have to admit, just the design of it. I like the way the two hangs over. Yes. Yeah, that's pretty cool. And I know we want to talk a little bit about Adrian King because this is it. Yeah, very surprising. I thought. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I I read a ton of different reasons for why Alice doesn't uh, live here anymore. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um. The first story that I had heard, somebody on that documentary had said that her agent had asked for too much money, and so they decided to write her out of the film at the beginning. Mm -hmm. Then they cut right to her, and she said that she didn't know about this until the day of when she got the script and was surprised. She said that a lot of fans come up to her at horror conventions and say that they felt ripped off, that her character didn't last very long, and she said, I felt ripped off too. Mm -hmm. And then the third reason. Yeah, which is what I always thought. Which is what I always heard. And I think we talked about on episode 70. Right. Yeah. Was um, very frighteningly and unfortunately, uh, Adrian King was dealing with a stalker. And so she had asked to have her role limited because it was from Friday the 13th that this incident began. Yeah. And so I feel like that is probably the real reason. It's funny because John Paul and I were talking about it before we got together today and I saw an interview with her talking about that and he saw an interview with the second one that you said. Yeah. So she has said both. That's what I found was that she said that she didn't know about it until the day of when she went and they were like, oh, plus you die. Right. (laughs) I was like, what the fuck? She said all the things were already shot. She said that all the scenes were already shot and they were like, okay, now this is what you do. And that a lot of this was ad-libbed because she didn't have a script. That's what I've seen consistently is that she had to improvise the whole phone call with her mom and everything because they didn't give her lines. (laughs) So I don't know. I do want to say, though, she did read the audio book for Final Girls Support Group by Grady Hendrix. And she does a really fantastic job. That's great. Good good for her. Yeah. (laughs) I did want to talk about the head in the fridge, uh, Pamela Voorhees. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Apparently, okay, so Tom Savini was part of the first film. Right. And then he was, I think he worked on The Burning instead of doing this film. Right, right. And so they had to find another makeup artist to take lead. And their first person they contacted, I read this in Fangoria, Mm -hmm. was Stan Winston. Oh, shit. Hell yeah. (laughs) Who, prolific. Mm -hmm. Um, But eventually he had to drop out as well. But from what I read, he did design this head before he dropped out. Okay. But the person who took over was Carl Fullerton, who 
I think was recommended by Stan Winston. Okay. Because he held him in high regard. Mm-hmm. And I mean, he went on to, I think he was part of The Silence of the Lambs. Oh, yeah. wow. Um, he also, if you look at his IMDb, he is, ba- it seems like he works exclusively with Denzel Washington. <laughs> oh, shit. Okay. <laughs> like, it's, it says makeup artist, Mr. Washington, like 50 times. All That's right. fucking well. cool. That's cool. But I think what's a bummer is that he doesn't really get the shine because of the MPAA. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, we noticed we saw the pickaxe didn't even go in. Yeah. yeah. We didn't see any blood in the sequence at all, which is kind of surprising for this film. Yeah. Um, they talked about, I mean, it's the same era. We talked about um, My Bloody Valentine. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Literally the same year. My Bloody Valentine suffered because of the gore in the original Friday the 13th. Right. And then Friday the 13th Part 2 is going to suffer for both, I guess. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so it was just a strange time where the MPAA was really, really, really cracking down on this kind of thing in horror movies. I just, I don't get it. Yeah, I don't understand that. Plus, you would think that this isn't the first horror movies at this at this point i feel like they're not like everywhere but they are starting to come out more and more right so i i get there's a restriction and there's things that need to be like taken out of the film you can't just have fucking you know what i mean i mean well you can't have fucking but like <laughs> you just can't have stuff going on <laughs> that not everybody needs to be seeing i don't think but, you read your email <laughs> <laughs> he he skipped it right. <laughs> um no but i understand as far as i mean and but then I think that that's always been a very strange uh, distinction that the MPAA has made. Yeah. Where at least in the present day, it seems like gore is like absolutely and sexuality is what they frown upon. Yeah. Yeah. But at the time, both were very, very strictly. Right. Um, cracked down and regulated. They cut down a full minute of this film for the gore. I read. That's crazy. And I mean, it's, when a, you th- it's a bummer. Yeah. When you think about a, a, a minute, like how much longer would that uh, pick? Uh, ice pick sequence have gone oh yeah maybe like five seconds yeah so then how many more scenes you know have to be to add up trimmed? to a minute mm-hmm. yeah you know it's, it seems like a lot well and there's one death especially later on where it's like hello like, <laughs> it's just <laughs> <laughs> yeah. where'd you go yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, yeah I don't get it <laughs> also in the documentary i watched i heard that adrian king got hurt doing the pickaxe scene or the ice pick ice scene pick- because uh, it didn't retract when she when they did it, and it actually was stabbing her, and she had to be like, "Hey, hey, hey, oh Jesus, like, dude. <laughs> dude, what the fuck?" I, I, it said that they didn't check it first; they were just like, oh. "No, let's just let's do the scene." It'll retract. It's yeah. fine. <laughs> we don't have the two seconds to check it first. Oh, not at all. Yeah, the rush. Yes, it's exactly. Yeah. Rush. They're like <laughs> Paramount said, "We need to have this." <laughs> But when we come back, it's the middle of the day. Jeff, played by Bill Randolph, and Sandra, played by Marta Kober, are driving down the street in a truck. They stop and get out when they see a gas station, but when they see a payphone, they sprint over to it. Across the street, Crazy Ralph, played by Walt Gorney, watches them. (laughs) I was thrilled to see my old friend. (laughs) Crazy Ralph. He still got his bike. Yeah, he's, he's still he's on the bike. Doing the damn thing. <laughs> I was uh, uh the payphone. Wow, what a fucking relic. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, man, it's a payphone. What a time to be. Alive. I found one at a, at a Dollar General on the other side of town, mm-hmm. and I I shit you not, I took a picture of it, <laughs> and I was trying to tell Ari, explain to her, and she's like, what? I was like, you put a quarter in and you make a call. Where's your cell phone? 
I was like, that was yeah. that <laughs> <laughs> It's not how that works. <laughs> if, you, yeah. if you can believe it. He's like, someday they'll live in a magic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I saw in that documentary, they had said that this uh, payphone was added by the production. Okay, okay. And they, between takes, people in town were coming up trying to use it. And they were like, what the fuck? But it wasn't real. <laughs> well, again. <laughs> yeah. It's so convincing. The crew was just laughing at him. Yeah. Stealing the quarters and shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> In the phone booth, Jeff makes a phone call to someone named Ted, prompting Sandra to say hi. He asks Ted if he's going to come and get them, but he's offered directions instead. He jots them down, and the two are all smiles until Crazy Ralph goes over to them. (laughs) He tells the couple that he tried to warn the others, but they didn't believe him. He promises them that they're all doomed before just walking his bike away <laughs> <laughs> it's it's amazing because you see him round out of the shot oh yeah. my god and it's like ding ding yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> jeff and sandra exchange worried looks but jeff gets back on his phone call and we see crazy ralph just right away in the background <laughs> i also wanted to say okay so we learned that there is a time jump Yes. Um, so Crazy Ralph's like, well, you know, five years ago. <laughs> <laughs> and he doesn't know that they're headed to any kind of camp. No. no. But he's like, I'll just tell, I'll tell everyone. <laughs> just in case. Someone just on the will off listen. Chance. Yeah. One day, someone will listen. <laughs> but Jeff continues to get the directions. But behind them, their truck is being towed. Sandra realizes this and runs over. Jeff tells Ted that he'll call him later and hangs up. They run after the tow truck. Jeff catches up and is literally running beside the driver, Max, played by Cliff Cudney, screaming through the window that this is his truck. The driver completely ignores him and continues to drive. Yeah. So I actually was like, that's not legal. But I looked it up and it is. Oh, anybody can tow your car if you're on some kind of private property or just like somewhere that they can say, oh, no, they're hurting the road or they're whatever mm-hmm. they can tow it but did and they just park in front of the, of the gas no station? they did yeah i mean you can sue them and all that but yeah. what it said was and it was legal eagle because i love that guy yeah, yeah. But, it, but it was a forum that he was on and it was and it was just that you can't you can do that i i just laughed because before they even get to the payphone the tow truck is like excuse me <laughs> <laughs> just backs up to just take it and then uh, the stone face, like Jerry Lundegaard. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Straightforward. Straightforward. Um, I think I read, I think Cliff Cudney was the stunt coordinator for the film as well. Okay. Oh, that's cool. So he got a little role, but yeah. um, this entire sequence was very funny to me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they keep chasing the truck, but the tension is broken when they round the corner to see Ted, played by Stuart Charno, welcoming them to God's country with a big smile. So isn't this the guy from Ratatouille? <laughs> no, is there a wrong actor? <laughs> I, I think he was in Christine. He uh. <laughs> might have been in both. <laughs> Max is all smiles too when it's revealed that he's the owner of the gas station and was in on the prank. He immediately unhooks their truck and Ted tells them that this is going to be great and it'll be just like old times. I got to say, Max deserves an Academy Award. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well played. We cut to the three of them driving down the road in Jeff's truck. Ted volunteers that the guy, Paul, that's running the course is okay, but he's a little macho and he takes it all very seriously. He says that they're senior camp counselors and they'll probably get a brownie badge if they survive. Sandra asks for clarification on that last part and Ted just presses on that she's going to be the second assistant. 
He then launches off into a joke about a bear and a rabbit pooping in the woods and the bear asking the rabbit if shit sticks to his fur. He abruptly gives the punchline that the bear wiped his ass with the rabbit and everyone laughs. I mean, <laughs> he's like, right. look, this is, what, <laughs> this is what happened. I will say the audio dipped out for most of the joke. You don't have to tell it again. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, in the woods. No, no, no. We've, we've heard enough. We've heard enough. The laughter dies down, though, when Jeff comes upon a huge tree branch in the middle of the road. They get out, Jeff asking where it could have come from. Ted replies that he doesn't know, but he proposes that they move it. As they do, Sandra remarks that it's creepy out here and walks over to the trees. She finds an old sign for Camp Crystal Lake, and Ted tells her that it was Camp Blood. It's on the same lake that their place is. I was surprised that it wasn't the same campgrounds because I thought they were going to be just repurposing Crystal Lake. That's kind of what I figured, too. And they could have went around that tree, but I appreciate them moving it out of the way. <laughs> I, I Others mean, will be coming behind. Yes. Them. It would have made more sense if it was the same grounds. Making it different makes it kind of strange. Right. It only wor- it works for a scene or a, an instance that happens. But other than that, no. Yeah. It's not worth it. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff is confused about the name Camp Blood, and when Sandra starts to ask follow-up questions, Ted cuts them off and insists that they go back to the truck. Sandra asks if they can look around, and he tells her no way. Jeff follows Ted back to the truck, asking what the problem is, but Ted insists that they don't want to hear about it, especially not before lunch. I think that before lunch is the perfect time, because... I don't want to hear after. I don't want to hear after lunch. I got food on my belly. Yeah. (laughs) Sandra finally drops the sign and goes after them, but we watch her in a creepy point of view hidden behind trees. As they get in the truck and drive away, a hand moves some branches to get a better view. And we get a shot of the dropped sign, Camp Crystal Lake. So I laughed because it's Jason's like, okay, so plan B didn't work. (laughs) (laughs) What the branch? Yeah, plan plan B was plan branch. Uh, And if you're wondering, plan A was Alice. (laughs) So now it's time for plan C, which is uh, camp. (laughs) And well, that's the rest of the film. That's it. I thought he was sad. He was like, oh, they're leaving. They're not coming over here. He wanted a friend. Yeah, he was sitting there watching them and he's like, man. That sucks. Like, These motherfuckers never come back. I killed them <laughs> six people and then that was it. Oh, well, it wasn't even him, though. No. Yeah, so you're then, right. Somebody go talk to him. Yeah, he's like, <laughs> I've, d- I've done nothing wrong. <laughs> yeah. That was my mom. <laughs> no, you're right. At this point, he hasn't. Well, he did kill Alex. Except- oh, oh yeah. Right. yeah. <laughs> I take it back. Take yeah. it back. I just <laughs> said that. Yeah. That happened two yeah, scenes ago. <laughs> We're like, this poor guy. Yeah. This poor innocent man. So does he have, I mean, the same exact mindset as his mother did? That it's all counselors, and he, she was like, "Okay, all these counselors let him die." And is he saying these counselors killed my mom? Okay, yeah, it has to be because neither the counselors in the first film nor the counselors in this film had anything to do with anything that happened before them. So he just so it has to be. He just doesn't like counselors. Yeah, neither did his mom. It's very specific. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> A little too specific. <laughs> a very specific bias. But not only did counselors kill his mom, counselors let him. Well, I guess I guess he didn't drown. No, <laughs> he's like I'm fine. Yeah. <laughs> this is just about my mom. <laughs> <laughs> I'm confused. <laughs> but at the camp, Paul, played by John Fury, rings a bell on the porch to summon all the counselors, including the ones that we know that have just shown up. 
everyone heads toward him. When Vicky, played by Lauren Marie Taylor, offers to help Mark, played by Tom McBride, with his wheelchair, he declines and makes it there himself. In the woods, Terry, played by Kirsten Baker, walks with her dog, Muffin. You're right. Muffin's cute. Yeah. Yeah. Muffin's very important. Yes. (laughs) Someone moves tree branches out of the way to get a better look and zeroes in on her booty cheeks. He takes a slingshot and shoots her right in the ass. It's like, okay, this is not Jason. (laughs) Yeah, what the fuck? (laughs) Jason Jason. would never do this shit. (laughs) Shocked, she turns around to see Scott, played by Russell Todd, lurking in the leaves. He reveals his slingshot with a wink and she just continues to walk away with a smile. Scott's a fucking creep. The whole, mo- I, I don't like, I don't like him at all. No, he's not good. He's disgusting. Yeah, uh, he's weird. I don't, I... This is not an introduction to... No. no. But this is what he is. I mean, this is an introduction to who he is. Yeah, <laughs> no, no. That's For fair. the rest of the film. At the camp, Paul calls the meeting to order. He tells the crew that it's great to have them here and points out that they've all been counselors at other camps before. He calls out Vicky and Terry for working at camps upstate before happily greeting Scott and telling him that it's good to see him. He snidely adds, you need it, receiving laughs from the group. What does he need? This, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> all right. I, I'm sure your script appreciated him introducing everyone, though. Yeah. Yeah, I was like, thank you. <laughs> He points out that he worked a season or two with Mark and that he'll get to know all the rest of them as the summer goes on. He points out what they already know. Being a counselor isn't the gravy summer job that everybody thinks it is. On the road to the counselor training center, a red car passes Crazy Ralph on his bike. It drives into the area and he watches after them. <laughs> he's, he's like, you gotta be fucking joking. Yeah. <laughs> More? <laughs> Right, didn't I warn those other two kids earlier? <laughs> I swear to God. Yeah. <laughs> back at the meeting, Paul mentions that if the rest of the staff ever shows up, they're going back to basics like survival, first aid, boating, archery, and rifle ranges. The red car pulls up, and Jenny, played by Amy Steele, is behind the wheel. Paul goes, What the hell? and rushes away, telling everyone he'll be right back. Jenny greets Paul enthusiastically, pointing out that she's late. Without saying a word, he walks right past her and goes into the office. She follows him. Once alone in the office, he chastises her, saying that she's supposed to be his assistant and everyone else got here hours ago. She tells him that she said she was sorry, which she didn't, but then she actually does apologize. She gives the excuse that her car is sick, and when he tells her that she could have just called, she says that she did, but the phones at the camp aren't set up yet. That's interesting. Mm -hmm. Paul tells her to just get her gear stored and come help him outside, but Jenny is still trying to smooth things over. She reminds him that the course starts today, and she came today. She ends it with a promise that she will never, ever be late again in her entire life. She asks if they have a deal. And with a smile, Paul agrees and shakes her hand. He softens and puts an arm around her, admitting that he was starting to worry. She calls bullshit on this, but she gives him a kiss and the two head back outside. So I thought we were going to build toward Paul and Jenny. No. And they're, <laughs> yeah, they're already smooching. Yeah. So, so this, I, I... I was a little confused. I was like, okay, so I thought that it was just going to be camp. Yeah. And then I was like, oh, no, these are all adults. I was like, oh, and but it is their training. Yeah. So the kids aren't there yet. Right. Um. So I was like, oh, shit. And these are all adults. Yeah. So I was like, okay, so. Everybody's fair. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I did. Yeah. 
He didn't want to say it, I guess. Yeah, well, <laughs> I was trying to think of a way to say it. <laughs> I did want to say um, Ginny's character for me, when you think of a final girl in a horror film, especially of this time, yeah. she would have been on time. She would have been early. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's really cool to see. She's like, dude. That's true. Yeah. It's today. I'm here today. Yeah. <laughs> I like I like the moxie. Oh, yeah. yeah. But Jenny gets back in her car and Paul takes his position in front of the group again, calling out to Jenny to go park in the lot because it's starting to look like a Burger King out here. It's like, all right. So it looks like a shitty delicious, restaurant delicious. <laughs> that serves Fast garbage. Food burger. <laughs> They'll never sponsor us. reminds Paul. <laughs> it's good though, man. It's delicious. The breakfast is all right. Whatever. I'll advertise the breakfast. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Sick of the Burger King slander. <laughs> Ted reminds Paul that he was about to give his let's keep our shit together speech. And Paul tells him that he's right. He starts to give a safety speech, pointing out that axes, knives, lanterns and saws can all be trouble. I OK. This would have been a great opportunity for the screenwriter mm-hmm. for every one of these weapons to be used. Oh, yeah. I was thinking the, I was expecting that yeah. when he said it. And then I'm like, nobody died by a lantern. <laughs> <laughs> Burn down the camp at the end. Oh, by, there you go. By throwing yeah. The yeah, I mean, I don't know. I'm just th- well, if you, if it's kerosene, break it on somebody. Yeah, on, uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> honestly, well, that's true. Yeah, put it on the board. It's a writer's room. <laughs> <Yeah, they're- laughs> Jenny is trying to start her car again, but the engine won't turn over. Paul's voice continues, telling the group that if they take care of the equipment, the equipment will take care of them. We cut back to him as he warns everyone that this is bear country and bears are dangerous. He says no food fights and that everyone needs to change clothes frequently because food odors linger. I was like, damn, how much were we supposed to (laughs) (laughs) Should have probably told us this before. Yeah, Yeah, no shit. I brought what I brought, dude. I'm already here. (laughs) He then cautions the women not to use perfume and to keep clean during their menstrual cycles. There are a few snickers at this. He's like, Paul, calm down. No, we've all we've all done this before. Yeah. Oh yeah, they've all been counselors. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But Jenny is still trying to start her car when Paul goes over to her. He tells her that the cars need to be treated gently, like kids, and advises her to use some of that child psychology that she's majoring in, mm-hmm. which wasn't clunky at all. <laughs> <laughs> That's how we talk to people, right? But yeah. <laughs> He checks the engine, and after literally just looking at it, he tells her to try it. I laughed so hard. Yeah. Because, <laughs> yeah. I don't know, he literally opens it, and he's like, no, give it another yeah. run. <laughs> that should do it. Well, she does, and it starts blowing exhaust into Paul's face. As she backs her car up, Jenny stops and tells Paul that it's more fun using the child psychology on him because he's such a sucker for it. So they stole the bit from the original Alfalfa or whatever? (laughs) (laughs) You stole my bit! (laughs) (laughs) That night, as they roast marshmallows over a campfire, Paul says that he doesn't want to scare anyone. (laughs) But he's going to give it to him straight about Jason. (laughs) See, this should have been told first. Yeah. This is what you should have led <laughs> with after. Oh, you're interested in you yeah. know counseling here? <laughs> well, let me tell you where we're located first. And then afterwards, yes. if you're still interested, we'd love to have you. Or in the daytime when you were talking to us earlier. Well, no, I know. But but I'd like to know before I make <laughs> yeah. this trip over here. <laughs> yeah. For sure. I mean, it's, it's history. Yeah. Yeah. He says that his body was never recovered after he drowned in the lake. 
The old folks around town say that he's still out there in the form of a demented creature surviving in the wilderness, a full grown man stalking around and stealing what he needs while he lives off of the land. Some people even say they've seen him in this area. Mm-mm. He talks about the girl that survived Camp Blood on that Friday the 13th. She claimed she saw him and then vanished two months later. But she didn't see a grown man. She saw she saw a child in the yeah. water. But yeah, and she didn't. Well, I mean, we're being a little. She didn't vanish. She left. Yeah, she moved. To go <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's different. <laughs> she was never yeah, seen yeah, again. No, you're right. being a little loose. <laughs> she didn't have a forwarding address. <laughs> yes. <laughs> he says that blood was everywhere, but no one knows what happened to her. Legend goes, though, that Jason saw his mother get beheaded that night and he went and took his revenge. The revenge will continue to be sought if anyone enters his wilderness again. I don't know if he specifically means the camp, but this is the wilderness. So that's that's my thing Mm -hmm. is. So do you mean like just the campgrounds of Crystal Lake or are we talking like period like like where how where's your property line i want to see the map here because does it include where we're sitting yeah, right you now don't have the whole fucking forest in lake jason that lake jason <laughs> yeah, i'm just saying that's not <laughs> we can't do that the kids need somewhere to play yeah i mean that's monopoly yeah yeah oh no we just that's take him to court no, yeah, fuck yeah that. you'll be hearing from my lawyer jason <laughs> drag the leg drag him to court yeah <laughs> <laughs> But everyone is silent, staring at Paul and listening to the story. He reminds them they're the first to return here since it happened. For five long years, Jason has been dormant. He's hungry and he's out there watching, always on the prowl for intruders, waiting to kill and devour, thirsty for young blood. See, so it was never established that he ate any of these people. Yeah. <laughs> His little uh, creative license. Yeah. You got to put some hot sauce. I guess. Suddenly, someone wearing a monster mask, carrying a spear and naked except for shoes and furs draped around his waist, jumps out screaming. The counselors flee and Paul tells them to come back. He pulls the mask off and it's just Ted. <laughs> Everyone laughs their fear off and Paul gets to the point. Now that that's out of their system, he doesn't want to hear another word about it because it's ancient history. He sums it up. Jason drowned, his mother was killed, and Camp Crystal Lake is off limits. He asks the crew if they understand, and they agree. I laughed out loud because he's like, now that I've had my fun, I better yeah. not hear anyone. That's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, what? So you get to do it. That's yeah, no shit. Okay. Uh, uh, fuck you. Yeah, do as I say, not as I dude. Paul, fuck off. (laughs) I quit. Yeah, no shit. (laughs) This leadership is garbage. Yeah. When Jenny walks off, he follows her, asking if he got her and what she thought. She simply tells him that the second act needs work before striding away. He goes after her. In one of the cabins, Ted looks proudly at his mask before putting it on the top of the spear and leaning it against the wall. Jeff and Sandra come down to join him, but when Sandra snatches Jeff's hat and runs, he chases her. On the other side of the room, Vicky watches Mark arm wrestle another counselor and win. So I thought with him placing this mask here, Mm -hmm. I thought when Jason came around, this was going to be Jason's mask. Yeah. And I'm kind of glad that it's not. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's kind of too standard horror movie scary. It is. So I I prefer the bag. I do. Yeah. 
I mean, we don't know that yet. No. <laughs> <laughs> I prefer question mark. Yeah, yes. I don't know. Because honestly, Jason kind of, we don't see anything. No. For a very long time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, feet. Yeah. Feet and jeans. Boots. Boots and jeans. <laughs> <laughs> Terry sits on the couch with Muffin and Scott approaches her asking if she wants to dance. He's like, hey, you remember me from the slingshot? Yeah. Remember when I shot you in the ass earlier? You want to dance? When she lets him down gently, he proposes the same thing to Muffin. Outside, someone skulks and watches through the windows. We cut to Scott dancing with Muffin, saying that he was sitting in a fast food joint and asking himself what he was going to do with his life. Terry watches this, smiling and shaking her head. When Muffin is disinterested, Scott comments that he's striking out all over the place. Paul and Ginny play chess as Ted sits in the chair next to them, playing a microvision. I looked this up, and it was the first handheld game console that you could change out the game on. Mm-hmm. Wow. It came out in 79, and it was 50 bucks. Damn. Yeah. A console for 50 bucks? Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty good. But when Paul tries to check Ginny on the board, she remarks, wrong white man, and checkmates him. I didn't I didn't know what that meant. I just felt the need to include it. Well, it's chess. One plays white, one plays Oh, I didn't take it that way at all. Yeah, I was I was also very confused about yeah. oh, what was happening. I hope it was about chess. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's weird for her to say. It was yeah. odd. Yeah, that's a why bit. I was confused. Yeah, I will say losing at chess destroys Paul. Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> he doesn't speak, I don't think, for the rest of the scene. He just stares at his piece and he's like, Where did I go wrong? How did this happen? <laughs> While Paul looks at the board confused, Jenny looks around, pondering what to do next. She guesses that she can get her arm broken by Mark or her brain ponged by Ted, the electronical wizard, or she can just go to bed. She decides on the latter, telling Paul goodnight and that she'll see him in the morning. She walks past Jeff and Sandra, who are dancing, as she heads outside. Outside, she pulls on her sweater and picks up her flashlight to make her way to her cabin. Still dancing with Jeff inside, Sandra tells him that she just has to see Camp Blood. Jeff tries to dismiss this, saying that she's crazy, but Sandra insists. There's something about it and she needs to see it. Jeff tells her that there is no way she's getting him out there. And besides all that, Paul told them it's off limits. With a grin, Sandra tells Paul, we'll see, before holding him close to continue dancing. Jenny makes her way to her cabin and heads inside, turning on the lights and taking off her shirt in front of a mirror. She pulls on a robe and we see a shadow with a hat sneaking around outside of her cabin. Hold on, though. What's up? Go back and pull your shirt out of your sweater. You took (laughs) off your shirt and sweater together. The kids do that. The kids do that all the time. Yeah, they don't like it's underwear and pants together. Just everything is just peeled off (laughs) and thrown in the hamper. You got to do the laundry. Yeah, Yeah, or on the floor, most likely. (laughs) (laughs) But that's hilarious because she did. Just everything came off. Maybe maybe they're sewed into each other. (laughs) No, they're not. (laughs) Okay. I did also want to call out. I appreciate you said that the shadow had a hat. Yeah. yeah. Because there, I will, I re- respect their honesty with that shadow. Yeah. yeah. Because a lot of movies would make it look like <laughs> Jason. Jason. <laughs> <laughs> and then later it's like, oh, I guess it wasn't. No. <laughs> but straight up. Yeah. There's a knock on the door and Jenny goes to answer it. Even going outside and asking who's there. The music mounts as she heads back in, and through the screen, we watch as Paul wraps his arms around her, scaring the shit out of her. 
Jenny starts to yell at him, but he asks her to calm down. He opens her robe, suggestively telling her to keep quiet because he's not supposed to be fraternizing with the staff. They immediately start making out. As they kiss, someone with black shoes and slacks creeps closer to the cabin. When the kiss breaks, Paul admits to Jenny that he missed her, and he really did get worried when she was late. They start kissing again. (laughs) Outside, we pan up the slacks to see that the legs and feet belong to Crazy Ralph. He's the shadow with the hat. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, you can't do that, man. That's against the law. Yeah, you need permission and you got to pay. You can't be just peeping like that. This is the second second week in a row where we've had to call somebody out for peeping. This is bad behavior. (laughs) Get your shit together. I did laugh because he's looking and then his eyes just widen. Yeah. And then we cut back to the... (laughs) It's like, what? (laughs) I will say, though, camp, it's, it's kind of a... Everybody's like a camp kink. Everybody's got their own thing. Dude's <laughs> dancing with the dog. They're over here making out. They want to. Hey, I didn't say anything else. Is that he was dancing with the dog. They want to go to camp blood. Everybody's got their own little interest they want to do. So are just like interests. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, guy's got the chess yeah. kink. Well, you know, he was over there like, oh, man, right. That chessboard. I don't know what the fuck's <laughs> going on. <laughs> Me either. That's why we're watching no. the movie. No. <laughs> He's like, I've lost the plot. <laughs> yeah. No, that send, is the plot. Right. I gotta send another email. T is HR at Stairhole Production. I mean, somebody's gotta be. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> but Ralph is full on watching them making out in the doorway. Jenny tells Paul that she has something to tell him, but before she does, he kisses her again. They keep kissing, and Crazy Ralph turns when he hears something behind him. While he's turned away, hands holding barbed wire come out from behind the tree that Crazy Ralph stands in front of. The assailant wraps the wire around Crazy Ralph's neck, strangling and cutting him. Crazy Ralph closes his eyes, succumbing to his fate. Okay, so very quickly... (laughs) <laughs> was the flash transition crazy ralph arriving at the pearly <laughs> gates <laughs> I yes. that okay okay because they do it more than they do time. yeah it's like um it's that's heaven right because <laughs> <The pearly laughs> <laughs> yeah, it happens every time oh, someone yeah. dies so i'm like they're like you've lived, <laughs> you lived well ralph or whatever i don't know i'm not really trying to warn all those people <laughs> at least we know they made it to heaven i, I mean there's yeah. that's some consolation a silver lining <laughs> to their, is that why he closed his eyes <laughs> yeah to their gruesome fucking murder <laughs> i'm not gonna lie I know that it's a different cast and everything. I was really hoping for Crazy Ralph to be the thread that went through the series. I wanted him to stay my harbinger. Right. I was a little sad to see him go. I was shocked uh, because it seemed as if that was that was the continuity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That he was always going to be here. Right. Yeah. Always attempting to warn people. So this was shocking. Very. I, I wasn't. I'll be honest. I was not expecting that. Not at all. Jason's like, no, I want people to come. <laughs> Stop fucking creeping them out. <laughs> creeping them out. <laughs> well, it's like, but what, look, what does Jason want, though? <laughs> you just stay I away. Yeah. <laughs> Ralph should really, he should love Ralph. Oh, because yeah. Because if he doesn't want people in his wilderness, Ralph is telling people, don't go in his wilderness. Yeah. yeah. 
you know, we talked off mic, but this really should be called subtitled Jason's Revenge. <laughs> <laughs> Freddy's Revenge didn't really fit last week, but this one. Jason's Revenge does. If that's all he's going to be doing. But with that sudden flash of bright, heavenly white light, <laughs> it's morning. Jenny wakes up and sits in bed to see a message written on her mirror in lipstick. Beware of bears. She lays back down with a smile. Later, she leads the counselors in a run down a trail. Mark is on the sidelines with Paul watching and admonishing Jeff for coming in last. Jeff treats them to a smile and his middle finger before jogging to catch up with the rest of the group. Sun shines down from the trees, but we're in the POV of the assailant again, making our way through the leaves. Can I just say it's Jason? And here I was like, okay, they're actually training. You know what I mean? They're yeah. doing something. And then here's this fool again. Yeah. He's not done. <laughs> no. Close by, we hear Paul tell the group that they're going half a mile and then going back to the camp for lunch. We see him leading the other counselors and cautioning of the poison ivy on the trail they're on. Jenny brings up the back of the group, but she stays behind, looking around at the trees suspiciously. From the POV shot of the attacker. Yeah, you can stop. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> From Jason's POV, it seems like she looks right at him before continuing down the trail behind the rest of the counselors. Muffin runs up, stopping at the attacker's feet. I was like, oh, God, no. Yeah. I hope he doesn't have the same taste as Michael Myers. Yeah. <laughs> well, he's, I mean, they've taken enough. Yeah. yeah. No shit. <laughs> we immediately cut to hot dogs cooking on the grill. That made me more nervous. Yeah. yeah why? I don't. <laughs> they, they, they talked on the documentary. They said Steve Miner has a sixth sense of humor. And so that cut was intentional. <laughs> To make you think that something very terrible was about to happen. That they're cooking the hot dog or that they're cooking the dog? Or that Jason's getting something to eat right now. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Right now. Right now. <laughs> He's using <As> the grill. <laughs> <laughs> it's context, yeah. I guess. I don't know. I mean, it didn't work for me. No. <laughs> I was just worried. Yes. Jenny uses a chainsaw to cut a branch to give to Ted for the fire. Terry wanders alone in the woods, calling out for muffin. We watch her from behind the trees. She seems to look right at us, calling out for her dog again. But when she is called to come have lunch, she runs away. So unless Muffin's a six foot tall dude. Um, <laughs> yeah. That's probably wild. Not, it's probably not <laughs> She's like, Muffin? And then she's like, oh, never mind. I'm hungry. Hot dogs, he said. <laughs> I hope they're charred. Hope you have French's mustard. <laughs> not a sponsor, but. But delicious. <laughs> they make decent mustard. <laughs> decent. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it depends on what you're eating. Yeah. What a lukewarm endorsement. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I enjoy mustard. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's not good for bratwurst. Is what I'm... <laughs> you want a stone ground mustard? Yeah, but... <laughs> you want a stone ground mustard? <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> we've had kink corner. We've had kitchen corner. <laughs> I think it's time to move on. I think kitchen corner well, should continue. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if we're choosing <laughs> they're both picked up for another season <laughs> <laughs> elsewhere Jenny puts the chainsaw back in the shed but pauses to look around at the trees seemingly uneasy at the lake while everyone else is having fun Sandra asks Jeff if he's ready for camp blood <laughs> he's made it very clear <laughs> He's like, she's like do you want to go no alright you ready to go <laughs> <laughs> 
He tells her again that they're not supposed to go near there, but Sandra reasons that it's a short walk and no one will even notice that they're gone. They do really just seem to be having fun. <laughs> instead yeah. Of doing any work. Yeah. I I do I do real quick as as individuals as creatures why do we why like if your sister did it, i would the same thing be like no nah, she's like come on i guess let's let's go why am i why why am i just for me it's the story you do it for the story yeah. Look. <laughs> yeah. you i don't want to be you guys are gonna go to camp blood and come back and be like man we saw this fucked up shit and i was just sitting here on my ass by the lake that's a bummer yeah but, but you want to know the reality of it uh, hey guys, you know what I did yesterday? I went to Camp Blood. Yeah, I don't have to do shit. Right? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. lie. Well, I mean, if it's if the risk. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's what I was gonna say. You know, you could have a cool story, but you could also not have a story at all. Yeah, and yeah. dude, this is 1981. This is the era way before Pixar didn't happen. Oh yeah, no, you can say anything. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I do want to be clear. I would not be going to Camp Blood though. <laughs> no. no, I would put my foot down about that. But we would be telling everyone we went. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> but she says no one will notice that they're gone and jeff says nothing she pleads with him saying that she really wants to see it jeff says nothing she says that when they get back to the city they'll be able to tell everyone that they went when jeff still says nothing she just drags him away calling him a chicken shit she leads him down a trail glancing over her shoulder every once in a while to make sure they're not followed she and jeff giggle as they make their way Back at the lake, people are swimming, sunning, and having a great time. Ted sits in the lifeguard tower, and Jenny stands under him by Mark and Vicky. She tells them that she has a joke. What's red and green and moves 100 miles per hour. <laughs> Sorry. No, I'm just I'm laughing about what happens next, because it's, it's wild. <laughs> a frog in a blender. No one is particularly impressed, but when Ted jumps down, <laughs> he has one. Well, the thing is to me is that like Ted, he's like, jokes are my thing. Yeah. yeah. So he hears her tell a joke and he's like, fucking <laughs> jumps into the proceedings. It's ridiculous. Well, he sees it didn't land. He's like, shit, check this out. <laughs> and I hope, I hope the sound worked for that joke. Yes. <laughs> But he is. It's just, it's it's ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't jump from a cliff. <laughs> well, he was sitting he on was the very thing. High. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Lifeguard towers. He was, yeah, yeah, it's pretty tall. <laughs> it is. Oh. <laughs> <sighs> but he does have another joke. <laughs> What's brown and sits on a piano? Beethoven's last movement. Everyone laughs at this of Vicky telling him that he's gross <laughs> and also really brave for jumping down. <laughs> for jumping off a cliff to tell us this joke. He had said in an interview that he came up with all his jokes. Okay. That's funny. So, I mean, there's that. <laughs> so really, Jenny, how dare you? <laughs> Sandra and Jeff continue on their journey to Camp Crystal Lake, but our view is low of them as they walk past a tree. As soon as they're out of sight, another set of shoes steps into view behind them, accompanied with a musical sting. Sandra and Jeff come to a no trespassing sign, blocking the way into the camp. But after only a moment of hesitation and an exchanged look, they step over it. We watch them through the trees as they continue forward, and Jason takes slow steps behind them. I just want to say very quickly that 
th- this is not a matter of Jason being good at hiding. Not yeah. at all. It's a matter of every single person that he encounters having zero awareness. Yeah. Because <laughs> they walked right past him. Yeah. He's out in the open. No, well, not only that, he he's like, I want to see who's coming over here. He mm-hmm. didn't watch them just past the no trespass that was like nope see, that's it i gave you a chance you motherfuckers crossed the fence he's like mm, this <laughs> that, is that's a fucking yeah. mistake <laughs> <laughs> and what's wild to me is the way this scene ends after what we just saw yeah yeah but they come across a poor little white dog's eviscerated body sandra says that it looks like a dog but jeff thinks it's too mangled to tell what it is but it's it's clearly a little white dog mm-hmm. that looks a lot like a little white dog that we have come to know and love yes she asks what he thinks did it, and Jeff proposes that it was a wild animal. Suddenly, someone grabs Jeff's shoulder, and when he turns around, it's the cop, played by Jack Marks. The lights on his squad car shine in the background as he asks what they're doing there. Sandra and Jeff just divert their eyes sheepishly. Real quick, uh, the dog thing, it was a little weird. I thought it was, I guess, I don't, I don't want to say a nod to Halloween, but I was like, is he again... Michael Myers, are you try? Did you eat this dog? Yeah. Like, what the fuck? Is- That's really, I thought, what we were being led to believe. To I be mean, completely honest, he got right? hungry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but we immediately cut to the office where the cop tells Paul that he needs to keep his people away from that camp because it's condemned. He says that the next time he finds someone over there, he's gonna have to arrest them. Sitting next to Sandra on a couch across from Paul's desk, Jeff tries sticking up for Paul, saying that Paul did tell them not to go over there. But Paul interrupts, telling him that he'll handle it. For some reason, the cop decides now that maybe he'll just get a warrant against Paul. You can't do that. No. (laughs) He hasn't done anything. No. Jenny comes in and the cop reasons with Paul. He says that he's got a good reputation and people say that he's doing something great with the kids here, but he would have advised him to move to the next county because he is too close. Can I ask? He's, he's literally like, he says this right after threatening him. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so like, nah, everybody loves you. Yeah. <laughs> you're, 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 you're our big man. All right. It's we love really- the shit out of you. Uh, but I'm going to have to <laughs> crack some in. skulls. <laughs> it's weird. He says that things have been quiet for the last five years, and that's how they all want to keep it. Paul assures him that that's what he wants, too, before dismissing Jeff and Sandra, telling them that he'll talk to them at dinner. They leave quickly, thanking him and promising to never do this again. The cop is outraged that Paul isn't punishing them. So Paul tells Jenny that Sandra and Jeff aren't allowed to have seconds on dessert tonight. Hold the fuck on, dude. <laughs> no, no, no. no. It's, too it's harsh. pudding night. What yeah. the fuck are you talking about? We all about? deserve two puddings. Yeah, no, those cups are small. Yeah. They are. We've, we've barely worked, so we've earned them. Yeah. <laughs> We're all hungry. I did want to point out, fucking Paul had said that he was going to talk to them after dinner. He did. And the cop's like, no punishment? Yeah. yeah. I already said. We're handling this no in-house. Shit. Yeah. You can go. Jenny snickers, but the cop doesn't find it funny. Outside, as they make their way back to the lake, Jeff asks Sandra if she's okay. She says that she is, but wonders if they should tell Terry about what they saw. Jeff says that as far as he's concerned, they didn't see anything. That's kind of shitty. It is yeah. because she is constantly looking for Muffin. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that looked like Muffin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. On the road later, as the cop leaves the camp, someone dashes across the road <laughs> with another musical sting. <laughs> <laughs> Again, 
he doesn't, not a great hider. No. Stealth is not. He didn't put any points in that. <laughs> not at all. No. Solid snake he is not. No. <laughs> the cop gets out of the car and chases whoever it was through the trees. The music grows intense as he runs hilariously through the woods for a very long time. I don't know if you guys saw that trend on TikTok where um, they were asking people if they remember how to skip. And the results were not skipping. That's yeah. what his running through the woods. <laughs> Have you never run before? As I'm watching this, the music's doing a lot of heavy lifting. <laughs> yeah. Because I believe the sequence lasts uh, just under 15 minutes. <laughs> I was like, how much longer? I don't look. I don't know this character. Right. So this chase, this chase means nothing to me. And it's funny because obviously <laughs> J- Jason is being pursued. Yeah. But all we see of Jason is his feet. So I kept thinking <laughs> that we were zooming in on the cop's feet. And so, so it's just the cop's yeah. feet yeah. <laughs> the whole time. It's like his body, his legs, I'm not going to lie, dude. It took me until the second time watching it to be like, oh, that's the representation. Of, because he splashes through a little like baby pond, a yeah, little yeah. puddle. And then the cop splashes through it. So I was like, is this fucking like supernatural? Well, it's Blair Witch. It, yeah. <laughs> it's the same log. He's... <laughs> <laughs> he stands on the rock and then looks like he's like tracking him and then he's like oh he went that way he, he tastes what? the water he's like it's still wet yeah. all right <laughs> there's still time to catch this guy i appreciate him going after him but you what the fuck are you doing dude? i have no idea like you you know this can end good just the length of this chase yes. was very it it was wonderful well they're like we needed to be 87 yeah. minutes <laughs> but the cop keeps running until he comes to a small shack he stares at it confused before finding the front door and letting himself in inside the place is squalid and dirty he opens a cupboard and looks inside before ripping a curtain open to reveal a toilet that has definitely seen better days a plank falls off of the wall startling him but he continues to look around we see someone creeping up behind the cop as he reacts in shock to something that he's seeing in the back room he says oh my god but before he can do anything else jason raises a hammer and buries the claw end in the back of the cop's head he screams as he begins to collapse I look the death was kind of funny because he grabs the door frame yeah <laughs> i don't know why that was really funny to me he's like oh like, damn I, I, <laughs> well, I bet that hurt oh, yeah. I, did. I will say i really do appreciate us not seeing what the cop is seeing right now yeah because you know we're gonna come back later and I mean, I I feel like what he gave was a kind of an underreaction to what the fuck is in the yeah. <laughs> That is true. But that is it true. was, it didn't, you know, I'm like, oh, I can't wait to come back. Right. I see right here is where I had to rewind it and watch it again. Because hmm. I thought when we see the, the feet point of view, <laughs> when Jason sneaks up behind him, I thought that was him sneaking in the room behind somebody and then when that happened i was like how the fuck what so i had to rewind and i was like oh those are those aren't his feet (laughs) see that's that's the thing the cop is wearing jeans and jason's wearing slightly darker jeans (laughs) so it was very confusing that is true But that night, as they finish dinner on the porch, Paul gets everyone's attention. He says that today was fun and games because he likes to start them out slow. But tomorrow, it's going to get serious. He offers that if anyone wants one last night on the town, now is the time to do it. 
He says they have two cars, and when he asks who wants to go, hands fly up, including Jeff and Sandra. So they're so he's saying like, let's go to town for the night. Yes. Yeah. And then we can come back later or tomorrow. What do you mean? Like they're gonna go out to drink. They're, they're gonna yeah. go party because tomorrow he's getting serious. <laughs> they're not gonna be lounging by the lake all day. One wow. one pudding. <laughs> yeah, only one pudding at dessert. <laughs> But Paul lets the group know that the two wanderers have volunteered to stay behind and watch the camp. He asks, isn't that nice? And the couple lower their hands, dejected. Terry says that she'll stay behind with them in case Muffin shows back up. Scott feigns a yawn and says that he's actually pretty tired, so he'll stay too. Scott's a fucking creep. Yeah, he is. I will say when she says that, Jeff is like, he takes a sip of his drink. Yeah. Because he's like, Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> Vicky asks Mark if he's going, and he says he's not, using his wheelchair as an excuse. Vicky isn't trying to hear it and proposes that they go together, but when Mark says that he's staying because he's in training, then that makes the decision for her. She's staying too. Paul wraps his arm around Jenny as they leave the porch, asking if she's coming. After she confirms that he's buying, she says yes. Everyone who was leaving leaves piled into Jeff's truck with Jenny and Paul in Jenny's car, waving goodbye and promising to have drinks for the people staying behind. Sandra and Jeff take down the flag and Terry alerts them that she's going for a walk. Vicky promises that they'll wait up for her and the two of them head inside and turn off the porch lights. The camera pans over as a shadow slowly slinks away. So Jason's just there the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> just off the porch. Nobody looks over. Look left. Yeah, he's, You'll like, see he's him. standing there. <laughs> it's wild. As the vehicles make their way to town, Terry walks alone on the trail by the lake. She stops and looks out over the water before she hears rustling in the trees behind her. She turns toward them and calls out for Muffin. I did love the shot of the moon of them driving. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It, it kind of honest, honestly reminded me of that long shot from Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Oh, okay. yeah. Just at night. Yeah. The other counselors arrive at the bar and jump out of their vehicles, excited to drink. Meanwhile, Terry has abandoned the prospect of Muffin being in the trees and naturally gets her tits out. She gets butt ass naked and our view of her changes to a hidden and voyeuristic one as she gets into the lake and begins to swim. She's skinny dipping. I don't know. Yeah. You, you, you seemed so like judgmental. Well, because she was looking for muffin. Yeah, but she came out here to skinny dip. No, she said she was taking a walk. I thought she was looking for muffin. Oh, all right. And then she's well, like, now nah, fuck it. <laughs> We're doing this. My thing was, I was like, man, the nerves. Like, she's nerves of steel. And Just, it's nighttime. Yeah. Maybe if you're with a group or something, but that is like, that's horrifying. Yeah, hell no. I don't, if I'm going to go on a walk, it's somewhere where people can see me mm -hmm. close enough. Then to get naked and jump in the water? Oh fuck no! It's so dark, and they turn the <laughs> they turn the porch lights off. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so once again, we talk about vulnerability. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and the idea of Jason lurking around. Period. I know Paul just told a story. Yeah. yeah. But I'm very susceptible to stories. Absolutely <laughs> no. Yeah, I'd be too fucking. It's a campfire story. Yeah. I'm too yeah. creeped oh, out. Yeah. And um, I know that your big fear of any kind of confrontation with your pants off. Y yeah. This directly goes against that. Yeah. I'm terrified. <laughs> <laughs> but back at the cabin, Mark and Jeff are arm wrestling. Sandra sits behind them looking very bored. But Vicky is right up on the action, cheering Mark on. Just as Jeff is about to lose, he uses his other hand to force a win for himself. 
Vicky calls him out for cheating, but Jeff just proposes best two out of three. I as they're arm wrestling, I'm like, there really isn't anything to do here. No. <laughs> <laughs> We've done this already. We're on yeah. night, night two and we're like, more arm wrestling? <laughs> <laughs> Can we do some more arm wrestling, please? It's Mark's thing. <laughs> As they get ready to start another match, Sandra comes over, cautioning Jeff not to wear himself out and telling him that if he wants to wrestle, he can come with her. Jeff is like, say less, and he's gone. The two of them take off. Now alone, Vicky asks Mark if he wants to go up against her. She sits across from him, and he gets ready for another arm wrestling match, but she tells him that she just wants his fingers. She brings out two microvision consoles, saying that they're Ted's, but he said it was okay. After seeing that one is a hockey game and one is a football game, Vicky says that she likes playing the one with the puck. Her wording becomes suggestive and Mark finally gets his head out of his ass and gives her a smile. I'm like, this, she has been throwing the signals. Yeah. Since see, y'all, yeah. That's what I'm saying. Here we go. Let's get the party started down here. He's like, <laughs> oh. Yeah. Like, oh, shit. One thing I will say is that hockey becomes very important to this franchise. Yes. That's true. I didn't know if that was a little... I mean, they didn't know. They couldn't no. know. But I will say they spend a lot of time on this love arc. Yeah. <laughs> what the fuck? Between these two? They do. Yeah. <laughs> they do. <laughs> Terry continues her late night swim, but somebody snatches up her clothes. She finally comes out of the water, wrapping her arms around herself, but she's confused when she finds her clothes gone. Scott steps out from behind the lifeguard tower, holding her clothes and shoes, asking if she's looking for something. She is ass naked. She's naked. This is so fucked up. It's we need an HR department at this camp. Because yes. <laughs> Scott, Scott, you got it. You're out of yeah. here. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't like. She's minding her own business. Hey, she's out here alone. You know what I mean? Not Brave. scared of shit. Yeah. yeah. Cool. I'm. I don't want to take your clothes. I'll talk to you when you get in. Well, he's just a creep. Yeah. yeah. He tosses her pants and shoes over to her, watching with glee as she gets dressed. He still holds on to her shirt and she demands it back, chasing him into the trees with only a towel to conceal herself. They stop and somehow <laughs> Scott has stepped into a trap. <laughs> <laughs> I did. I did laugh at what she said, though, because I was like, really? She goes, it's no longer funny, Scott. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, it was never funny. It was, was not a, once funny. Yeah. Is she a robot? <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> Who says something I don't like know. That? The humor quotient has depleted. <laughs> I was like, what? It is no longer funny. Terry, are you okay? <laughs> What's in that water? Is there a parasite in the water? <laughs> <laughs> so I'm not 100% sure, but uh, I've been watching your sister play the quarry. Uh-huh. And there's a scene where this happens in that game. <gasps> You're right. Yeah. And I thinking about, I was like, oh shit, where have I seen this before? And then it, it jumped in my head and I was like, oh yeah, that the fucking game. That has to be a nod. Yeah. It has, they're camp counselors. Oh, that's a specific. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, um, the trap. Yeah. Yes. Not the robot lady. No, not, not the, the robot. <laughs> <laughs> not the parasite. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's a different game. (laughs) A rope wraps around his ankle and pulls him up, suspending him upside down from a tree. The way that he flails is hilarious. (laughs) And he immediately blames Paul for setting it up, which does not seem like something Paul would do. I know he played that joke with Ted, but. 
He was all about safety. Yeah. I honestly, but then again, I don't see I don't see Jason doing this either. That's a fair yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know who did this. Well, he is out he's gotta eat. Maybe he's maybe it's a trap for an animal. Well, I don't know. Probably yeah. not. <laughs> you you caught a fucking animal. Yeah, yeah you did. Sure. Yeah. yeah, fair enough. He swings back and forth, and when Terry asks what she can do, he tells her to get him down. She says that she'll have to get a knife and cut the rope. She takes her shirt back and thinks about it for a moment, saying that he's a pervert and she should really just let him hang there. She should. Mm -hmm. He pleads with her not to, and when she asks if he'll cut the crap, he promises that he will. She jokingly tells him not to go anywhere as she takes off in search of a knife. I thought this would be the funniest thing in the world if we just cut to Terry sleeping in bed. Yeah, that would be great. <laughs> just hanging out. <laughs> She'd yeah. be my favorite character. And he's like, this is pommel horse. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to get down now. But we watch from the trees as she goes over to one of the cabins. She throws her towel to the side and it like hits us. Yeah, because it hits Jason in the yeah. face. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, what the fuck? What the fuck? I thought that was so weird. It was crazy. <laughs> Am I here? What the fuck? Yeah. Was that me? Or was yeah. that I'm not even <laughs> hiding anymore. <laughs> she goes into her cabin, but when she tries the lights, they go out. She searches for a knife in the dresser for some reason before turning around toward the camera and looking at it suspiciously. Scott continues to hang upside down, getting impatient. He asks where she is when someone grabs him by his hair and drags a machete across his throat. I will say again that the violence is pretty subdued. Yeah. You do see a little bit more than we've seen so far. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They did talk about it on the documentary that I guess whenever they did it with the machete, mm -hmm. you can tell that it's the backside of the machete. Oh. Uh, <laughs> because obviously, if you know. Right. Uh, but... It was very dull, and so people that watched it, I guess, complained about it later. They're like, but that machete's not, you know, but <laughs> right. it's like, we're not trying to murder these, yeah. Yeah, no. <laughs> these actors for real. What do you it's mean it didn't actually <laughs> Refund. <laughs> but if anybody was served on a silver platter to Jason. Oh, yeah. yeah. Please. But Terry continues to search in the cabin, finally finding a switchblade in a bag. She rushes back over to Scott, who is still upside down, facing away from her. She tells him that she's cutting him down, but warns him to never do this again to her. He doesn't answer, and she spins him, revealing his fate. Did she think that, like, he passed out from all the blood rushing to his head? <laughs> she's like, I'll get God. you down. <laughs> and then when you wake up, we'll talk about how horrible you are. But <laughs> Terry screams. Her scream blends in with the guitar being played at the bar where the rest of the group is. Ted uses two empty beer bottles like binoculars, staring at their server and announcing that he's in love before deciding that it's just tremendous affection. <laughs> I do want to say that we followed the server around for about half of her shift. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because again, the runtime, I guess. No, I I honestly thought she was going to be in the movie as a character too. or something. And then we, one, yeah. one line, I think. Yeah. yeah. And that's it. He adds the bottles to the group of empties next to him. The server offers to take them away, but Ted insists that he's collecting them. She says she doesn't want the bar falling down on him, and he thanks her with a big smile. And yeah, that's it. Yep. 
Paul leans over, saying that he thinks that she likes him, and Ted agrees. He changes the subject quickly, saying that it doesn't make sense to him that two of their group got in trouble today just because five years ago, a girl panicked and fell out of a canoe. He calls it absurd, but Jenny asks, what if there really is a Jason? Paul tells her that it's bullshit, but she suggests that there could really be a boy beast running around Crystal Lake. She tells him to think realistically, beyond the legend. What would Jason be like today? An out-of-control psychopath or a scared boy trapped inside a man's body? Ted laughs at this, but she asks Paul for confirmation that Jason would be grown now. And he says, yes, I think that's for us. But <laughs> she says that the only person that ever knew Jason was his mother. He never went to school, so he never had any friends. His mother would have been everything to him. I don't know how she knows Jason's business like yeah. that. <laughs> but I think she's, I mean, she's really just doing like, uh, I think she took gin psych. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is 101. <laughs> it's like, I know everything now. Uh, Paul should be like, your semester hasn't even started. <laughs> <laughs> you just changed majors. What are you talking about? You barely got your books. <laughs> Chill out. <laughs> Paul says yes, calling Pamela Voorhees a deranged killer. But Jenny tells him he's missing the point. She doesn't think Jason would have even known the meaning of death until that horrible night. She says that he must have seen everything that happened. He saw his mother killed just because she loves him so much. She reasons that that's what that whole night was about. Rage at her loss because of what she thought happened and her love for Jason. She asks, isn't it bizarre? Ted and Paul finally have nothing to say. But again, if this is the theory that we're working with, why wouldn't Jason be like, Mom, I'm fucking <laughs> like even run over to her anything. Well, that, OK, so it, that's the thing. Hmm. So when did this in the first one? He had already passed, right? Yes. Yeah, Jason, we're, right? Yeah. How, that, but, that was the story. Yes. But how long was it before uh, Mrs. Voorhees went and did all this shit? Well, didn't he? Didn't they say he drowned in like 50 seven yeah so okay. i think the the math because i was reading online i believe i could be wrong please don't come for me if i am but that in the first film jason should have been 33 <laughs> well, and that, in, in this one he should be 38 but uh, that's not what we see at the end of the first one no because that's that was su that was yeah. supposed to be a dream but now we gotta run with it but now, yeah. <laughs> now it's back because paramount's breathing down our neck <laughs> <laughs> It's just weird. And like you said, you would think that he'd be like, hey, mom, I'm good or I'm right here. But I mean, that did happen. She did kill those counselors like that is. Yeah. A minute ago, you were like, is this shit even real? What's with the story? And yeah. then now you're like, no, nah, she was just crazy. No, it, it happened. And yeah. he even conceded that at the end of his story. Yeah. All of it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Because even if Jason, I don't think he's able to communicate. I don't think we ever hear him talk or anything. Okay, but you can... Verbally, yeah. anyway. I mean, he could still go over there. If she's saying that he watched the whole thing. Yeah. If he's building traps, he can go... I mean, yeah, no <laughs> Yeah, sure. you're right. But Jenny continues saying that Jason must be out there right now, crying out for his mother's return, for her resurrection. Paul and Ted eye each other, and she asks what they think. Paul says that he thinks she's drunk and Ted laughs at this, but Jenny doesn't find it funny. When Ted orders more drinks, Jenny declines. She tells Paul that she's really serious about this, but Paul insists that Jason is just a legend. 
I do appreciate Jenny saying the concept, the idea of this resurrection. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because it's pretty good foreshadowing for what comes later. Yeah. yeah. She's very, very smart. She's on yeah. the ball. And she's just not getting credit right now, but she'll get it. She'll, <laughs> <laughs> she'll get it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my, my words get jumbled sometimes. <laughs> It's late. All right. It is. What's next in your script, dude? (laughs) Someone watches through the windows of the cabin. Through one, Vicky playfully snatches the microvision out of Mark's hands. It's funny the way that things were going, the fact that he started playing. (laughs) Yeah. It was pretty defined where we were going with this, but he's like, so hockey, right? He took it literally. Yeah. Yeah. And in the other, Sandra sits on Jeff's lap in a chair and the two make out. Inside, they stop and she leads him upstairs. Vicky hands the game back to Mark, telling him that in three more goals, he's going to lose. She asks what happened to him, referring to the chair, which is abrupt and like pretty rude. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He says that he was in a motorcycle accident that paralyzed him. She asks if it's permanent and Mark admits that the doctors say it is, but he doesn't agree. Vicky asks if it's just his legs that were affected. Is everything else okay? With a grin, Mark assures her that he does all right, one way or another. Vicky takes out a joint and offers to share it with him, but he reminds her that he's in training. With a smile, she asks him, for what? Upstairs, Jeff lays in bed playing a harmonica until Sandra climbs on top of him, kissing him. The two start to make out and playfully strip down. Downstairs, Vicky asks him what the winner of the game gets. He asks what the winner wants, and she tells him to guess before kissing him. She immediately asks if he wants to stay with her tonight, and Mark admits that he was about to ask the same thing. She asks whose cabin, and Mark says that since Ted is staying with him, he doesn't think it'll work. Vicky says they have the whole camp available to them, so they'll figure it out. She tells him to give her a few minutes to get some things. He agrees, and they kiss one more time before she leaves, promising to be right back. There you go. Yeah. 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 I'm sure this will work out. It'll be fine. <laughs> Lightning brightens up the sky outside as Vicky enters her, and I guess Terry's cabin, because this is the same one that Terry went in. She tries the light and the lamp, just like Terry did, but they don't work. She laughs, calling Terry a turkey as she sees that the lamp is unplugged. She plugs it in and the room brightens. She takes her shirt off and changes into a sweater before picking out a special pair of underwear for her night with Mark. We watch from outside for a moment as she changes them. She sprays on some perfume and does a cheeky little spray into her underwear before putting the bottle away. When she hears the window shutter slamming against the side of the cabin, she goes outside and sets it right. We watch through the leaves of a tree as she does this. Back inside, she realizes something before turning off the lamp and running out to her car. Still in her underwear, she searches in the seats. It looks as though we're creeping up on her, but she's able to retrieve her hairbrush from the car without incident. Another misdirection moment, which was pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. I will say, though, Paul putting it into everybody's heads very early that perfume equals like bear attack. Yeah. And she's like... I love the sound effects. (laughs) (laughs) Just as she stands back up, thunder cracks, lightning strikes, and it begins to pour rain. Back at the other cabin, Mark hears something outside. Assuming it to be Vicky, he goes out onto the porch and calls out to her, but there's no one there. He continues looking around until he is approached from behind and a machete is suddenly embedded into his face. 
His wheelchair sends him flying backwards down the porch steps and down another longer flight of steps. And just before he hits the bottom, I guess he's catapulted to heaven. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know what we happened. We get the bright white light again. We do. This is probably the meanest thing that happens. They did not need to yeah, send him down that no. fucking long. Where was that? Where did that? Where was that other flight of steps even at? Yeah, no shit. I think that was the stairs from The Exorcist. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> like, I don't know what the fuck that was. He's about to get it in. Like, oh, he's having yeah. the best time ever. He he's killing it with the arm wrestling. Like, he's on top of the world. And then you do him like that. Yeah. It was it was very cruel. I just wanted to talk about the um, special effects. <laughs> <laughs> For just a second. Carl Fullerton in Fangoria. Uh-huh. He had said that they had made this false face for atomic bride all right and it's kind of like a catcher's mask but it's filled with styrofoam and so that's what they made to catch this because the machete was made of wood yeah yeah and so they just catch the machete in the face and it looks i mean it looks very decent yeah i will say that this is one of the two kills that was uh let's say repurposed from my great friend mario bava (laughs) oh okay which we will talk about later i know Um, about one of them one of them is way more egregious. Okay. Uh, but it is from the same film, which they probably never saw. <laughs> <laughs> but the thing that really, really surprised me, and this this element of this kill was not in that Bava film, but the backwards wheelchair ride down the stairs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was a stuntman in that chair. That oh, was sure. not a dummy. Oh, my God. Yeah, that was a real person. That does not seem like a good idea at all. No. Not at all. They said, I think they built um, a ramp that would keep it to where it wouldn't get too dangerous. Uh, but even, <laughs> even so. Know. According yeah. to who? Um, Johnny Knoxville. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I just thought that that was wild because the way that it looked, and in complete full disclosure for me personally, yeah. I, I thought it was a body yes. like a dummy was, yeah. you would think so it doesn't look like a person there so it's like you didn't have to risk no. it no <laughs> not at all like, <laughs> <laughs> and another thing if you look at tom mcbride's imdb page mm-hmm. the picture of him is him getting a machete in the face in this film <laughs> I so <don't> know. <laughs> be careful yeah, yeah. spoiler alert <laughs> But upstairs in the bedroom, Sandra and Jeff are finishing a round of showing the flesh. They're both content and happy, cuddling and kissing and unaware that someone has entered through the front door downstairs. Jason takes Ted's mask off of the spear propped against the wall and takes the weapon with him as he quietly climbs the stairs. Jeff lays on top of Sandra, kissing her before resting on her and stroking her hair with a smile on his face. Sandra gasps as Jason walks into the room, but before she can scream or say a word, the spear is plunged through Jeff's back, through him, through Sandra, and through the mattress until it reaches down to the floor. So, very quickly, just on the technical side, Mm -hmm. apparently they had made a full body latex cast of dude's body. And they had an entire elaborate gore sequence of this going through. Uh-huh. And the MPAA, of course, steps in. Yeah. So we don't really see any of it. Yeah. But this is identical to a kill in Bava's A Bay of Blood. Really? Like, literally, 
It's uncanny. It's uncanny. <laughs> so, okay. I was reading online. <laughs> okay. And that's how I learned that this one was from that because I've never seen Bay of Blood before. You should. But I know. But when asked about it, Cunningham said that he'd never seen Bay of Blood until after this was made. See, and I saw in an interview the same thing. He's like, it's weird how I never. Yeah. Yeah. But. <laughs> Come on, guy. <laughs> but the script supervisor. Okay. Martin Kitrosser, who also was the script supervisor on Red Dragon. Oh, okay. And all of Tarantino's films. Holy shit. Oh, wow. Was the script supervisor for this. And not only is he a huge Mario Bava fan, mm. I found two different sources <laughs> that said that his son's name is Mario Bava Kitrosser. So he's Stop kind it. of a big fan. Uh, yeah, literally. <laughs> he's, he's kind of a big fan, mm -hmm. if that is true. Mm, right. Um, so I, I'm sure it was just a coincidence is what I'm right. saying. <laughs> so he didn't see it. He sure the fuck yeah, did. Yeah. Someone saw it. The script supervisor has the scene tattooed on his back. <laughs> <laughs> but that has nothing to do with this. No, of course not. I did want to say something really icky before we move on. But I did find out that Marta Kober, the actress that plays Sandra, um, was underage at the time of filming this. And nobody bothered to check and make sure that she was not underage. And that the, this was like a full frontal nudity scene that was filmed and had to be taken out, obviously. Jesus. Yeah. yeah. So that's terrible. Uh, all right. Yeah. <laughs> Just thought I'd mention it. <laughs> well i mean you have to mention it you yeah. have to mention it but i that's uh that's awful what was what was paramount thinking they were thinking we got to get this out we got to get i mean i'm yeah. sure they were just like oh you you're 18 cool but it's it's funny because literally the first time that you see her walking with jeff i was like she looks like if she was in ari's class like she looks like a child to me yeah that that's kind of why i think i was a little confused because i was like oh she's young so are the kids and counselors coming or you, are they like, like she looks young enough to be attending the camp yeah to me no joke at the start of the film i thought it was going to be the beginning of the summer camp yeah, yeah. because of seeing her she looks incredibly young that's wild so yeah. yeah that's that's uh pretty fucked up but back at the bar jenny has loosened up and laughs with paul and ted she and paul both agree that they're tired and want to head back to camp Ted wants to stay and Paul tells him that as soon as the bar closes, he needs to come straight back to camp. He tells Jenny that he'll give her a ride back and tells Ted to have someone named Maggie drive Jeff's pickup. Jenny and Paul run out into the rain, Paul getting behind the wheel of Jenny's car. He says that the thing better start. And when Jenny reminds him that he's the one that fixed it, he admits that that's why he's worried. <laughs> <laughs> but it starts right up. It starts right up and they leave the parking lot inside. Ted asks an older couple if there are any after hours places around here. When the man tells them that there sure are, Ted walks away with the information, mocking the man as he goes. Back at the camp, Vicky comes back to the cabin, her hair fixed and fully dressed. She calls out to Mark when he's not sitting in the living room where he was when she left. And when she can't find him, she seems concerned. She heads up the stairs, passing the dropped mask and asking if anyone is still here. She peeks into one of the bedrooms, quietly calling out to Sandra and Jeff. She finds them in bed, the white blankets pulled up over their heads. 
I do want to say it's clear that if you're finding them this way, they're sleeping. Yeah. yeah. But she's like, hey. <laughs> Wait. <Yeah. laughs> it's like, why are you waking them up? You found them. Yeah. I don't think Mark's in the bed with them. Just keep looking. Yeah. yeah. Don't disturb them. Yeah. <laughs> she keeps calling their names, but they don't stir. She comes closer and closer and up jumps Jason, played by Warrington Gillette. And this is Baghead Jason. There's a bag over his head with one small hole cut out for one eye to be able to see. We love Baghead Jason. Baghead Jason is scary as fuck. Um, I did want to say he is credited <laughs> as Warrington Gillette as being the actor that plays him. But for a majority of the movie, I guess it came out later that he was portrayed by Steve Dash, uh, stuntman. Mm-hmm. And he put in a lot of work and sustained a lot of injuries playing Jason and did not get his flowers for a very long time. Steve Dash was also the man who did the wheelchair stunt. Oh, shit. (laughs) So he was very busy and he was risking a lot. Yeah. So, I mean, it's good to hear that he got his credit later. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of a very contentious issue online. Uh, I was watching one interview with Gillette. Mm-hmm. And all the comments were just talking shit and saying about Steve Dash. And it was like, oh, I guess this is a big deal. Yeah. That Damn. he really, for a very long time, did not get any credit. Well, that, that's really unfair because he was sent to the hospital a few times mm-hmm. for getting hurt playing Jason. And I mean, even if not, he did the work. Yeah. It's not fair. No, it's not. You should get credit for your work. Yeah. yeah. And I did read, or no, it was on the documentary. They, they said that Gillette uh, couldn't do his own stunts. And so that's why they brought Steve Dash in to begin with. Yeah. Okay. And then he ends up, I mean, there's a lot of stunt work to do as Jason. Yeah. Most of the film, we do not see any kind of head or face. No. No. So it would stand to reason that most of this film, he is played by Steve Dash. Yeah. Not to take any flowers away from Warren Gillette, but they both deserve their credit. And it's pretty fucked up that it took as long as it did. Yeah. So in the credits, is it just Warren Gillette? If you look on IMDb, it says Jason Warrington Gillette. That's wild. Yeah. I've been yeah. calling him Warren. I'm sorry. Warrington. Um, He probably goes by Warren. <laughs> <laughs> so we're just changing his name. Okay. Sure. Cool. 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 <laughs> I do think it's funny that I, I just don't feel that Jason would lay these traps. Does that mean that he did leave that trap earlier? I guess so because he had to. Because <laughs> now he's waiting in bed. Yeah. And he's, See, but the, and then this to me feels more Michael Myers. Yeah, because he did do the sheet ghost thing. Is yeah. this him trying to rip him off again? I swear to God. Probably. Probably. Michael Myers is going to sue somebody. Yeah. <laughs> him laying in bed is actually hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> and then lurching up like <laughs> the Undertaker. <laughs> I do want to say, looking at IMDb again, Steve Dash is credited right before the extras. Good. As Jason. Good. So at least there's that. But Jason slashes at Vicky, cutting her leg. Vicky screams and backs up to see that Paul's body has been rigged up behind the door, a sheet wrapped around his neck. Jason raises the blade and slowly comes toward Vicky, who cowers in the corner. She makes no attempt to run or to move, and Jason brings the knife down on her hard. <laughs> so, when I was watching this, I thought Jackson was asleep behind me because we were, you know what I mean? I was watching it in the morning and... uh he he all i hear is why did she just sit there and let him do that <laughs> she doesn't move no yeah, she doesn't move well she's between a door and a dead body i don't know what- yeah <laughs> yeah, That's yeah. A rock and hard place. <laughs> <laughs> 
But the storm continues as Paul and Ginny arrive back at the camp. They park and get out. As they cover their heads from the rain, we see Vicky's bloody body being dragged down the stairs. Once they make it inside, Paul asks why all the lights are on. And I was like, is that Paul or John Paul? (laughs) (laughs) Why are all the lights on? I I don't know. I'm never going to financially recover from this. (laughs) This camp is expensive enough. Yeah. Shit. (laughs) Sandra is immediately concerned, saying that they wouldn't have left the cabin like this. She asks if he thinks something is wrong. And when Paul doesn't answer her, she heads upstairs, picking up the discarded mask along the way. Paul is inspecting Vicky's joint and remarks that these kids smoke better dope than he does. (laughs) (laughs) Jenny screams for Paul upstairs, and when he joins her, she's standing over the bed where Sandra and Jeff were making it sweet. There's no one in the bed anymore, and the white sheets are splashed with blood. Paul asks if they're playing a prank, but Jenny insists that they wouldn't do something like this. Thunder booms loudly behind them, and the power cuts off. Paul takes out a flashlight, telling Jenny to stay with him. I just want to say, because you said making it sweet, which I appreciate. Um, <laughs> it was on the list of preferred <laughs> yeah. in the email. I just, I just want to be certain that people know there wasn't a real <laughs> There was not a real email. Mm, there has yeah. just been a, a very odd shift in decorum today. <laughs> I don't want to get any hate mail of fucking ruining the show right or whatever. <laughs> I don't know what's going on either. But you didn't get the memo? <laughs> what if it was an elaborate prank and we just stopped doing it? We were like, well, he told, he said that well, people would hate me. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm afraid of. So I wanted to just make it clear. It's a joke. It's a, it's joke. a joke. It's a joke. It's a bit. <laughs> <laughs> but keep it up. Keep the bit. Yeah. <laughs> right, but play along. It's, yeah. it's better. And continue right. for in perpetuity. <laughs> but as they make their way downstairs paul remarks that the kitchen light is still on so it must be the main fuse jenny asks what's going on and paul quickly answers nothing yeah that sounds like (laughs) you're part of this yeah it was weird i didn't understand that and we know you played pranks before yeah yeah so i mean it's uh not looking good no She looks out the window asking where everyone is and Paul admits that he doesn't know. He says that the rain is stopping so they can go outside and look for them. Jenny continues to walk around checking the cabin as the Jason theme plays lightly. Jenny tells Paul that there's someone in the room with them. Okay, this begins... Hey, you know what? I, I'm sorry. <laughs> I didn't even mind that. That's that's fine, but what happens next you know, is yeah, not. Yeah. No, yeah. But I was like, okay, okay. You know something bad. Yes. <laughs> what happens? I swear to God. What happens next is not. Let me take that back. Jenny tells Paul that there is someone in the room with them. Jason stands up from <laughs> from a crouched position in the corner, armed with the spear. Jenny screams again that there is someone in the fucking room as Jason advances on Paul. <laughs> a fight ensues and goes to the ground. Jason quickly gaining the upper hand and wh- whooping Paul's ass. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> do you do you remember on Shaun of the Dead where they're at the bottom of the stairs and they're like Pete? Yeah. <laughs> that's that's all she's doing. Yeah, I was like, help him. <laughs> Do something. Right? Hit him with the chair. What the fuck are you doing? <laughs> it's wild. <laughs> 
Jenny watches as she backs away, quietly calling Paul's name instead of trying to help or fight Jason herself. <laughs> I know we talked her up as a great final girl. But I that... know, but this was beyond the pale. <laughs> yeah. When she steps back into the room after the scuffling seems to have stopped, Jason pops up. She runs to the bathroom and makes a quick plan. She holds onto the doorknob as she inches her way to the window. But just as she lets go of the knob and is about to make her escape, Jason punches through the window, shattering the glass and scaring Jenny. That was an effective scare. Yeah. She runs and hides in the kitchen, locking the door behind her. Arming herself with a knife, she starts to open the window to jump outside, but she stops when she sees the doorknob rattling. She stands next to the door, the knife at the ready as Jason continues to struggle with it. When he punches through the door with a pitchfork, Jenny runs screaming. She backs into the pantry door, causing Crazy Ralph's body to spill out and fall to the ground. She rips the window open, pushes out the screen, and drops to the ground. I thought it was funny that where they find him here mm -hmm. is where they found him when he was peeping in the first movie. Oh my no. God, you're no. right. Shit, you're right. Because <laughs> right. we were like, what the fuck? <laughs> we'll put him back in here. <laughs> the music is chaotic as Jenny runs to the car and locks herself inside. I almost felt like this was kind of like a prototype ghost face chase. <laughs> Because he's yeah. very clumsy through the house. He is. Yes. I don't know. I almost thought I was like, is he toying with her or is he being serious? I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> I made him watch Scream 6 the other night and he mm. says the one he said the one thing he really loves about all the Scream movies is how clumsy Ghostface is and how he will get his ass whooped. I, and then on this, he was like, this was like Ghostface <laughs> level. Well, the good thing that happens later. The good thing about Ghostface is he's just a regular person. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's, and so you feel that. Yeah. But with this, Jason's been getting away with fucking everything. Yeah. And then suddenly he's like, whoopsie, whoopsie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Something happens in a moment, dude, that um. I laughed out loud. <laughs> I laughed out loud. Yeah. But Jenny pleads with the keys to be in her pocket, and they are, but when she tries to start the car, the engine won't turn over. Jason pops up in the window next to her, and she screams, but he drops back down and disappears. And that's Ghostface. Yes. Yeah. Straight up. You're right. He makes himself known again when he stabs the pitchfork through the top of the car and thrusts his hand through the hole. Jenny cowers in fear before kicking the passenger door open and flinging him off of the car. Now, this I thought was going to be a much more effectively suspenseful sequence yeah. Yeah. of him continuing to stab the pitchfork through. No. Nope. He's just like, where, where are you at? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just reaches in like a bag of chips. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, Whoa. Like a cat. <laughs> it's like, okay. Not like a bag of chips. <laughs> Is that what you're chipsy? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> POV, yeah. I'm a chip. <laughs> right, I'm a snack. <laughs> Jenny cowers in fear before kicking the passenger door open and flinging him off of the car. Jason lands in the mud, giving Jenny a chance to get out of the car and run away. The music starts up again as Jenny runs into the trees, but instead of going further, she waits until Jason comes after her. She hears him coming, and when he approaches her, she jumps out of her hiding spot, kicks him in the dick, and runs away. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think that <laughs> I didn't think you were going to describe it like that. I'm not gonna lie. I was a little surprised singing my own song. <laughs> That's what happened. Yes. I, the lake's crystals I thought <laughs> maybe <laughs> here. too cute oh, okay well sorry. <laughs> Jason falls but gets back up and runs away in the opposite direction he's not having the best of luck huh I would <laughs> say no 
Jenny continues running until she finds a car. When she starts to open it, Jason comes into view and she hides. He looks over in her direction for a second, but doesn't investigate. And she's able to run off further into the woods. She hoofs it down the trail, but suddenly Jason jumps out of the trees ready to tackle her, but he misses. <laughs> Again. <laughs> What's going on? I don't know. <laughs> no. I'm saying, what? What's happening? He's like, I can't see out of this yeah. fucking thing. <laughs> <laughs> then why did you make the one hole? <laughs> <laughs> Jenny continues to run and Jason gets back up and runs after her, but goes right past her when she's revealed to be hiding behind a tree. Jenny takes off in the opposite direction. We get shots of the moon and snippets of both Jenny running and Jason chasing her before Jason peeks into the windows of a cabin. This goes on for a really long time. <laughs> it's the cop running all over again. Yeah. Yes. But we follow Jason's feet as he walks around the cabin, oblivious to Jenny, who hides underneath the bed, silent, eyes wide and watching. A mouse scurries around and goes over to Jenny like, hey, girl. <laughs> and she maintains her silence, but she wets herself. OK, so there there has been a debate for quite a while as far as whether this is <laughs> whether this is the rat's pee. Yeah. <laughs> that or was a, whether, that's too much. It's pee. a lot no, of yeah. piss for a little rat. Well, think of this from Jenny's perspective. <laughs> We're already scared. <laughs> yeah. She spent time at the bar. There's a good chance. Okay. Yeah. I got to pee every three minutes if I have a drink. <laughs> yeah. No, I get it. So seeing a rat on top of everything else. <laughs> I'm, not sh- <laughs> I'm not shaming her, dude. I would have pissed myself and thrown up already multiple times. Oh, yeah. I'm not shaming her. It's just an odd choice for the film. <laughs> it's a very weird place. <laughs> it is. Because it flows out from under yeah. the bed into a visible puddle on the floor. So it's a lot, no. and we don't see the rat again. No, and the rat- <laughs> he just came to pee and leave. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if it was it, but just as Jason is about to leave, he sees the pee puddle and stops. Jenny thinks the coast is clear when she doesn't see Jason's feet anymore and begins to crawl out from under the bed. But Jason has pulled the classic stand on a chair so they think I've left the room and is above her holding a pitchfork. But wouldn't you know it? <laughs> <laughs> the chair breaks. <laughs> Jason, this is embarrassing. <laughs> I, I just, oh damn. Let me help you out. Are you yeah. okay? Is it too It's too <laughs> sad. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm not even angry anymore. Yeah. <laughs> Let me help you out. We'll go to the first aid. <laughs> yeah. Kevin. What's happening here? I, I don't to, know. I had to pause it because I, I couldn't stop laughing. I was like, are you I serious? Be- yeah. I couldn't believe it. <laughs> <laughs> Ghostface. Yeah, literally. That's it. Why would you do Jason like that, dude? A broken chair? Are you fucking for real? That's hilarious. It's like him trying to swing was too much for the chair. <laughs> yeah. I was like, no, no, no. <laughs> and doesn't the pitchfork break too? <laughs> He's like, dude, everything's fucking yeah. falling apart. Maybe I'm not meant to do this. Maybe I'm not cut out for this. Yeah. It's like, never mind. <laughs> Crisis of fucking like. <laughs> But Jason comes crashing to the floor. Jenny is able to run right to the shelf where she stored the chainsaw. And after Jason gets to his feet, she starts it and comes after him. He cowers away from her, falling into a corner. She breaks a chair on his back (laughs) (laughs) and leaves the cabin. 
what fucking hell in a cell match is this? <laughs> what it's, I know I said hit him with the chair earlier, yeah. but that's when shit was going on. <laughs> when he was attacking Paul. Yeah. yeah, with this, it's different. This is fucking <laughs> wild. This is wild. <laughs> Jenny runs out into the night, continuing forward and splashing through that small pond as she goes. She travels down the trail and is flooded with relief when she comes to a small clearing. But we see that she has found the shack where the cop met his demise. When she sees lights on through the window, she asks whoever is inside to help her. She heads inside and is immediately taken aback. Just as she starts to look around disgusted, we see Jason running toward her through the hole in the door. He was on her ass. Yeah. Like for getting a chair broken on his back <laughs> and another chair breaking under him and crashing to the ground. He was he was hauling ass. He's not letting embarrassment slow him down. <laughs> <laughs> but the funny thing is that Ginny sees him and she's like, ah! yeah, like, yes! no, be quiet. She sees him and screams, running and locking herself in that back room. Once she is there, we finally see what the cop saw. It is a shrine to Pamela Voorhees. Her head sits in the center of the altar, surrounded by lit candles. On the ground around the table are the bodies of the cop, Terry, and one so old and badly decomposed that it's hard to identify. Jason begins to beat the door in, and cornered, Jenny notes the sweater draped underneath Pamela's disembodied head. Thinking quickly, she pulls the sweater on. Using the head in front of her for inspiration, she tries to mirror her, tucking her longer blonde hair into the sweater. This is brilliant. Yes. Yeah. But she, child psych major. Yeah. They teach you this the first day. You guys. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Thank I, God I, they do. <laughs> I don't know about you guys. And I, I, I don't know because of what was going on. I honestly, I was like, if she puts her head on top of her head and I, puts the sweater up, I was like, <laughs> <laughs> I was puts like, the sweater up. You know, like, like, this is, it's me. Well, you know what? It's the, me. The, the way things have been going, it yeah. was, it, it was 50 50. <laughs> <laughs> Jason finally bursts into the room and Jenny greets him by name. In a sweet voice, she assures him that it's all done. He tilts his head quizzically, but she insists that he's done his job and mommy is pleased. He begins to lower his weapon and we see from his point of view, his mother's head superimposed over Jenny's as she tells him to come to mommy. I was actually kind of surprised that they got a cameo from Betsy Palmer. Yeah. yeah. Because this is all new footage of her saying this. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I was like, this is, and again, uh, seeing it, I guess, well, we spent a decent amount of time in Jason's POV, I guess. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this is fine. What's the difference? Yeah. But I, I thought it was great. I did read, um, and I'm sorry again, I, uh, I forgot, but it, uh, they said that she still never fully watched this movie in its entirety. I'm that she did the parts <laughs> and she was like, okay, I'm done. She's like, do what you want. With yeah. <laughs> well, didn't she say in the first one that she did it because she wanted to buy a new Scirocco? Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, I yeah. Mean, <laughs> I was like, that's it. We, right, all have, that. we all have our motivations. She promises Jason a reward, but as he steps closer to her, the illusion is broken and he raises his weapon again. Jenny tells him sternly that his mother is talking to him and Jason sees his own mother saying this instead of Jenny. She speaks sternly, but then smiles at him. He starts to lower the weapon again as he sees his mother insist that he kneel down. 
As Jenny tells him this and he follows direction, hearing his mother praise him and tell him he's a good boy. As he obeys her, Jenny raises a machete to hit him with. With her arms raised, Jason can see his mother's actual head. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Jason can see his mother's actual head behind her, and he reacts quickly, raising his own pickaxe to block the blow. He's like, hold the fort. <laughs> I got two mommies? What the fuck? You did not parry that shot, dude. No. Like, that's not. Ding. Yeah. <laughs> well, the camera would have you believe. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Jenny's machete clatters next to Terry's body, and Jason slices Jenny's leg. He's a leg slicing machine in this. <laughs> Paul, who I had forgotten could still be alive, runs into the room calling out for Jenny. The parrying shot or whatever. Mm -hmm. That's where um, apparently Steve Dash got his finger injured because he didn't turn it in time or she came down too fast. And he said very interestingly that he went to the hospital. Well, first of all, there's something else that happens very shortly. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That is more worse. worse. (laughs) More worse. (laughs) He had that as well. And so the hospital staff was like, what the fuck? (laughs) What are you doing? (laughs) It's like when you're about your fingers, while you're here. Uh, but he said that he got 13 stitches well 13 apropos yeah Yeah. but Ginny watches as it is round two for Jason and Paul (laughs) and they fight and the shack begins to fall down around them the music intensifies as Jason gains the upper hand and knocks Paul to the ground again Jenny picks up the machete, and just as Jason raises the pickaxe to finish Paul off, Jenny swings and brings the machete down, burying it into Jason's shoulder. So did he just, was Paul just knocked unconscious? or what? I, don't know yeah, I don't know what became of Paul. <laughs> <laughs> I assumed he died. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The, sh- the scuffle stopped, and then it was just Jason and Jenny. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But Jason goes down. Paul stands up and tries to get Jenny to leave, but she stays and pulls the bag off of Jason's face. They react in horror to what is underneath until Jenny finally allows Paul to lead her away. He half carries her as she limps, her legs still sliced and injured. Can we take the sweater off real quick? Before oh, before fuck. we go, let's uh, leave that here. It smells like yeah. shit. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. it fucking reeks. Yeah, like, I'm sorry. You gotta we take can't, that yeah, fucking don't thing off. Don't kiss me with that on. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad you're alive, no. honey. Take it off. <laughs> when they make it back to the small pond, Jenny collapses and Paul carries her the rest of the way back to the cabin. Safe inside with the door closed behind them, Jenny sobs into Paul's shoulder. He sets her down gently on the bed and comforts her as she cries, assuring her that she's all right. But then they hear something outside the door. Paul picks up Jason's dropped pitchfork and hands it to Jenny, who stays behind on the bed. Armed with a tool, Paul waits beside the door, the music mounting until he flings it open. But it's just Muffin! Oh, I was so happy to see that Muffin was alive. Yeah. So he ate another dog. <laughs> he ate another dog. Or it looks exactly like <laughs> Muffin. I will say, you know, the, the way the music is uplifting now, it's a happy ending. Yeah. yeah. Whimsical music takes over and Paul scoops Muffin up. Ginny is relieved to see the dog and starts to go over to her. But just as everyone's guard is down, Jason, unmasked and deformed, comes bursting through the window. The machete still embedded in his shoulder. He grabs Jenny, pulling her into the night. 
and somebody went to heaven, I guess. Because we, <laughs> yeah, somebody we made get it. Another <laughs> we get another bright white light. I don't know who arrived, yeah, but welcome. <laughs> yeah, um, I did want to say, um, Warrington Gillette. I think they said in Fangoria underwent six hours of makeup for this. Damn. And so every time he had to be unmasked, Jason. That's how long it took. Damn. Okay. I saw an interview with him and Amy Steele saying that they had to keep doing the scene again and they were both getting very frustrated. Well, he's crashing through a window. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of a lot. But the next morning, Jenny is being wheeled away on a stretcher. Restrained to the bed, she calls out for Paul, but no one answers her. She's loaded into the back of the ambulance and they drive away. What? What the hell was that? I don't yeah. know. So is he? I don't know. <laughs> So Paul's in heaven? Yeah. <laughs> right. Somebody had to go. <laughs> he saw Jason and just, just fucking died. Simply passed away. I guess. We'll never know. Nope. <laughs> is Paul still alive? I guess Ted is alive and all the other people because they didn't come back. Yeah. Yeah. Ted met the love of his life at the bar. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm so happy for him. Yeah. But in Jason's shack. The candles still burn around Pamela Voorhees' head. We zoom in tight on it and freeze. It cuts to black and the credits roll. I did very quickly want to say, mm -hmm. we see the freeze frame. Mm -hmm. The original plan in the script, and I don't know if they ever did it, was for Mrs. Voorhees' <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> was for Mrs. Voorhees' <laughs> mummified face to smile. <laughs> So, I'm glad they didn't do that, uh, because what the hell? <laughs> no, I, I'll i be honest, I was waiting for it. I was yes. waiting yeah. for her eyes I was to... waiting for it. When it didn't happen, I was surprised, but I was pleasantly surprised. Yes. Yeah, no, no, no. I yeah. was absolutely waiting for something like that to happen <laughs> as well. A smile, though, hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, the mom's the killer, right? Uh, yeah, <laughs> apparently. Again. Again. <laughs> but I guess the, the lit I don't I, I guess this means that Jason's still in there still lighting the candles I don't know I don't know maybe they played <laughs> I, I feel like if she smiled though we have to play the song at the end of Return of the Living Dead oh, oh absolutely because yeah. <laughs> this is a goddamn comedy now <laughs> <laughs> she winks but I have to ask so what did you guys think of Friday the 13th part 2 so this being the first time me seeing this and kind of, you know, we're stepping into the Jason lore and all that. Um, it, it, not a bad movie. I'm a little confused about some of the stuff, like the the cutaways, the fading to white. or to, <laughs> They're going to heaven. I, I do I not <laughs> um, But I mean, I... I still don't think that it should be skipped in the franchise. I feel like if you're going to watch them, just watch them all. You know what I mean? Even the ones that are bad, just go through them. I mean, I'm not saying this one's bad. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm not, I didn't mean it like that. Be I'm clear. Just saying, I'm just saying, like, even the franchises that don't have great films, still go through them and watch them, you know? Mm -hmm. At least give them a chance and see what you think. Um, but, yeah, this was... The, Jason, I guess, it, uh, it is... The bag head is a little more scary for me instead of the hockey mask. Yeah. I will agree with that. Um, but, I mean, he is very... Is subdued the word like he's not I, he's not like ripping people's arms off and cutting heads off and no because i know i guess that's what he does later he's just like a killing machine from what i hear um but 
I mean, yeah, it's Jason. <laughs> He's here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I I think my major complaint about this film is that I can't think of anything that would bring me back to it. <laughs> yeah. You know, like there's nothing that stands out that's like you know I want to watch Friday the Thirteenth Part Two again. Yeah. But I mean, that's just me. No, yeah. You know, because I know I did read a lot of people say that a lot of people have said this is their favorite in the franchise. I've I've seen that a lot online. And so it's like, you know, if this is what, you know, butters your bread, that's fantastic. Yeah. yeah. I'm not gonna, you know, as you say, yuck someone's yum. Yeah. No, yeah. Um, but for me, I just I don't know. I think it's 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 a perfectly serviceable slasher sequel of the eighties. Yeah. Yeah. But to me it doesn't really rise above that for me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I wanted more because I mean if we're if we're retconning <laughs> the motivation for the first film's killer, yeah. Um, we gotta figure out what the fuck happened. <laughs> 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 we don't learn shit. <laughs> like they're like, even the writers like, Well, I didn't want to touch that. I don't know yeah. anything it's like, about oh, that. Oh, okay, cool. <laughs> so, like, yeah, Love that. The guy that I would come to to ask. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, I don't know. I think um I think Ginny's a great final girl oh yeah yes and the end is very smart and interesting mm-hmm. but i feel like even even if we're talking as we said during the intro if we're gonna come to this franchise for the kills we don't even get that here yeah, yeah. everything is kind of um truncated and it just doesn't again if you want to return to this film because the kills are amazing i you wouldn't yeah <laughs> <laughs> Well, <laughs> I mean, you're not wrong though. There's no blood. There's no, no like it is. <laughs> I mean, it's you know. Yeah. So that's. I mean, that's my. This is my two cents. <laughs> what do you think about it, Nick? <laughs> <laughs> like, we've gone so far off the rails. I don't even know how to get back. Um. Oh my gosh. Um. No, I agree. I think that it is fun if I, not even if, it is fun, period. It would be more fun if I didn't really love the narrative of the first one so much. Yeah. Because it really does, like we had said earlier, it negates that. And I'm I'm more excited to learn the lore and see if we do get some kind of answer because I I thought there was something supernatural going on, but maybe I'm not. Maybe I just kind of like did that in my own head. No, I I literally thought the same thing. Yeah. yeah. So and like I said, I thought again, I thought he was a deadite. Like somehow he was connected in some way or whatever. Or even that he's a ghoul. Even if he's fucking ghoul something, or whatever. Something. Yeah. Um, so it's like, it's hard for me to reconcile that he's just a man that's been, I mean, I, I don't, I don't know. I'm excited to get to part three. Mm-hmm. I'm excited to continue through the franchise. I think he goes, I hear he goes to space. <laughs> <laughs> Real excited for that. They gotta go um, through training for that shit. <laughs> You've never been. Yeah. <laughs> um, but this was fun. Like you said, T, it is a 80s slasher sequel. Yeah. Don't go into it wanting it to be any more than that would be my recommendation. But I do think that it is worth a watch. I do think that it's fun. I do enjoy getting a sassy and smart final girl. And her final outfit did remind me of Laurie Strode in Halloween. Absolutely. Yeah. I was going to um, mention that, but I didn't. I thought people would get annoyed at all my Halloween references. No, yeah. it, it really <laughs> did. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'm... The only really drawback that I have is that, that it completely changes the narrative. But I am open-minded 
to continue through and see if we do get any kind of <laughs> explanation. I mean, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> um, but I think we can kind of slide into ratings. All right. Um, this movie is fun. <laughs> All right. I'm, uh, I don't, You're like, and now the negatives. <laughs> it is fun. I I like the baghead. I think it is very creepy. I think it is very the new narrative that we are getting. If you ignore how it doesn't really fit with part one, and how if Jason really did witness all of this, it would it doesn't make sense. If you ignore that aspect. There is something very tragic to this child losing his mother and just growing up alone in the woods with her head this entire time. Not the entire time, I guess for the last five years, Mm -hmm. you know, still clinging to her sweater, lighting candles around her. That is dark as fuck. It is really sad. Um, It really makes me because. Again, I'm not well-versed in Jason. I think I've said that about 80 times. But to me, he's just this mindless, hulking brute that kills people in really brutal and interesting ways. That's what I've thought of him. Yeah. Being uneducated as to, you know, the lore and the story, whatnot, whatnot. So getting a kind of deeper, oh my God, that's sad as fuck. He's like worshiping his mom's head and he's got her sweater all laid out. Like that is sad. Mm Mm-hmm. So I do appreciate adding that layer of depth to him because I did not know that that existed. I really like Jenny. Uh huh. <laughs> <laughs> I laughed really, really hard when that chair broke. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> but other than that, I mean, it is just, I don't want to say nothing special, but there's not really any moment where I'm like, oh, fuck, yeah. you know? And even in the the slashers that are just kind of reliant on the violence or the gore or whatever there usually is that moment where it's like but that one kill blank or that one chase scene this or you know i don't really get that from this the chase scenes were pretty funny <laughs> because they went on for a really long time <laughs> i was gonna say there is chase but there I, are. Yeah. <laughs> I will say that i did have fun i did not watch this and i'm like oh my god like i it, it wasn't an experience like that but Again, we talked last week about breaking your own rules, and this is another instance of, of breaking your own rules, and you don't have Freddie's sass to carry you through and give you the excuses for it. Right. But all that being said, because I will continue to ramble, it is getting late, and <laughs> we've had a lot of fun here tonight. <laughs> I will say, again, this is not bad, and I am going to give a little extra oomph because, again, we don't always get a smart final girl that was compelling to watch i really did like her she was except for when paul was being killed <laughs> i'll give you that <laughs> that was frustrating I will give you yeah. that. paul yeah that was bullshit um but on a scale from one to ten candle lit corpses with nothing but hope and love for what is to come in the future mm-hmm. i'm giving friday the 13th part two Six out of ten candle lit corpses. This is not a bad movie. It's not. I can't. I don't even want to give it like in the fives. It's not bad. It's just fine. Yeah. But I will now open up the floor to you. No, I, I think you're right, babe. And that that's for me that that was I had a lot of fun, but it was it was very funny to me <laughs> to see 
because I have the same thought process on Jason. Mm -hmm. He's just this giant monster of a person and he's just fucking people up. So to see him stumbling everywhere (laughs) and fucking falling off a chair and running through what it was, it was. It was very weird. It, it, I don't even. I don't even know if "weirds" the right word. As more is kind of confused because, uh, as all three of us have said, we haven't seen these movies. Yeah. yeah, we don't really know where they go or much about them. So just from what we've seen and what we're used to, or what we've seen in the media, mm-hmm. or like the way people talk about Jason. It's it is very weird to see a <laughs> g- ghost face slash <laughs> Jason like character. It yeah. was like I don't know what what's happening here. Um but the movie is fun. I will I will agree uh, there I don't again I know it sounds mean but there wasn't anything either that caught my attention to where I'm like oh no I want to watch this shit again. Yeah. Um it wasn't bad. It is it is a fun time. Um, but I think that that's that's kind of you can feel the rush. Yeah, you can feel that they were just like, no, let's do this, let's do this. Come on, come on, come For on. For sure. Okay, cool. But you didn't think about what, like, all the way through what was going on with the movie. Mm-hmm. We can tell. You know <laughs> what I mean? Um, but I, I, I did have fun. So, and I'm, I'm very hopeful. I'm hoping mm-hmm. because I know space is kind of like the uh, memory loss thing for a series. It's like when you lose your memory, it's like we're, we've run out of ideas. We've yeah, jumped yeah, we, the shark. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I'm, I'm a little excited to kind of get there and see where the journey takes us. Uh, but for me, on a scale of one to ten, candlelit corpses. That's it. I'm going to give Friday the 13th part two also a six. Okay. <laughs> I I want, I was torn and I will say this, that this is, I haven't really been struggling with two numbers on a movie for a while. You really? never did. Yeah. And I told your sister when I was done with this, I was like, man, I'm a little torn because I, I can see the good in the movie. But for me, even like someone who likes to turn your brain off shit, I was just kind of like, what? What's happening? <laughs> what's, what's going on? Like, oh, what? All right. Well, oh, now we're here. Cool. Oh, he just got a machete to the face and went to heaven. Now they're. Yeah. <laughs> they came and he went. It's like right away. You know what? Ah! Yeah. Oh. Right. It was coming. God damn. Yeah. You're going to get another email. No, right. yeah, it's in my draft. <laughs> he knew this would happen. <laughs> <laughs> but but it it I would recommend watching through if you're gonna start it from the beginning don't skip it mm-hmm. do watch it yeah I I agree that you should watch it yeah I always I we've talked about it many times on the show that it always pisses us off when people are like oh I didn't like it you guys shouldn't watch this movie yeah, yeah. watch the movie like yeah I mean that's what it's there for um but. I won't be <laughs> rewatching it again. Again, yeah. and and I think that's the major reason. Exactly as we said, JP just said it. Yeah, there's really nothing here that I'm like, oh man, I got to see that scene again. Mm-hmm. Oh, that kill was so good. Uh, no, dude, the way the whatever. Yeah, you know, and maybe that's partially because of the MPAA. Yeah, you know, uh, I will say that um, I really hope that they paid Mario Bava some residual <laughs> 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 because uh, goddamn. Yeah. <laughs> But I mean, you know, this movie for me is kind of, uh, 
and I don't want to say middle of the road, mm-hmm. but it's really just not anything that calls out to me, anything that makes me even recommend it even. Right. There's some very funny moments and I had a lot of fun talking about them. Yeah. yeah. Dude, I had a fucking blast <laughs> talking oh, yeah. about it with you guys. <laughs> but um, outside of that, I mean, Jenny's good. Mm-hmm. I think the music is always good in these. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, there was some good camera work from time to time. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know think uh <laughs> camp seems like a great that rat way to spend your time yeah the rat oh, yeah. yeah the rat lived uh, muffin yeah. muffin was sweet yeah. yeah more of a cat person so i like the cat at the beginning um yeah, yeah. although he really didn't give a shit about <laughs> <Not Alice. laughs> and the food yeah, yeah. Yeah. really all i'm here for that's why i screamed through the window <laughs> um but i mean i don't know i i try not to be too hard on you know movies that i didn't really care for right right because i know that this is someone's favorite film Mm -hmm. yeah but for me i just really didn't nothing spoke to me in this except and they quickly abandon it baghead jason yeah Mm because that's great oh yeah and they really should have stuck with that because i don't know what the fuck the hockey mess about (laughs) we'll figure it out i'm sure Mm, well will we also figure out why he's here (laughs) maybe (laughs) because that would be nice maybe and I'm sorry, but when the writer is saying, look, I skipped ahead because yeah. fuck that. That's <laughs> wild. Yeah. It is. I would I that's wild. Um, but you know, watch it. I guess. <laughs> 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 but for me, out of ten candlelit corpses, I really think I'm gonna give Friday the thirteenth five candlelit corpses out of ten. That's fair. I yeah. just I mean it's there's nothing like egregiously terrible about it mm-hmm. but there's nothing that speaks to me or you know you know <laughs> <laughs> so i think a middle of the road is pretty good <laughs> well that's all from us at pod morden what would you rate friday the 13th part two and what should we watch next let us know on twitter at the pod mortem. Be sure to follow us on Instagram and like us on Facebook. Be sure to follow each of us on Twitter at Blood and Smoke, at RealStreeter84, and at TravisMWH. Thanks again to Original Cinematic for sponsoring this week's episode. Please consider pledging to our Patreon and stay tuned until after the music for a special shout out to our Wendigo Getter patrons. And remember, legends don't come from nowhere. There are a few things more tragic than an unheeded warning. Until next time. Thank you for staying tuned for our special thank you to our Wendigo Getter patrons. Woo! Yeah! Hey! Hey. Teamwork. Yeah! (laughs) It's like we're in a band. Hey! (laughs) (laughs) A special thank you to... Chris Ontiveros, Kristen Lofton, Megan Martinez, Kimberly Bass, Sophie Hodson, Anthony Jerome M., Jordan Nash, Kent Morton, Lala Thomas, Travis Anissa Hunter, Miguel Myers ATX, Jennifer Perez... Allison O'Neill, Carissa, TJ and Angie Bronson, Spooky Mom, Aplan Ontiveros, Karima Rhodes, Antonio Huerta, Kimberly Kleindienst, Will Brown, Sydney Smith, Osvaldo Soto, Bobby Holmes, Donna Eason, JD Rezac, Molly Gerhard, Armand Spasto, Aaron Aguirre, Eggy, William Berry, Brittany Ramatar, Charity Oxner, Amanda Six, Mandy Rainwater, Eden, Jordan Roberts, Dylan, Melissa Sierra, Holly Bryan, Jordan Blevins, Liz Heath, Spencer Montavo, Pancake the Panda, 
John Ramos, Michael Newding, Alexis Roberts, Dan Laveau, Itzy M, Gary Horton, Leisha Olivier, Kate Lamp, Carlos and Sydney, Jessica Hunter, Helena Rudder, Alan Johnston, Mariah, Livy Fun, Mandy M, Scott Troutman Wise, Towton Watson, Mozzie Bear, Brittany G, Dave Burke, Adrian Stakes, Nick Spill, Emma Hagel Kissinger, Valerie G, Emiliana, Brian Glass, CB, Maya Noches, Taylor Santana, Will Lewison, Angelique, Smelly Poo Poo Head, Beth Bauer, Cookie, Esperanza J, Jason Kyle OKC, Joshua Rumley, Danielle Peralta, Brandon, Nicholas Carter, Sawyer Reese Farr, Dr. Diva Loves Horror, Girl That's Scary, Cassandra, Andrea Simmons, Ashley Hagetta, William and Zena Rush, Ryan Brom, Megan Ochoa, Laura Lasseter, Natalie de Guzman, Eileen O, Marissa E, Sydney, Henry F, Megan M, Strangely Sarah, Christy Beck, Nancy and Andy, Amanda Lopez, Andy Terrell, Jason Hanavan, ML Tafoya, Abigail Spitzer, Katie K, Erica Morin, Cameron S, Nicole Stewart, Tris Wynn, K.87, Mariah Jensen, Carrie A, Lonnie Lono, Powell, Kayla E, Maggie H, Fernando Dominguez, Murder Stina, No Thanks Tom Hanks, Kevin McGonigal, Kristen Marcy, Ori81 Boricua, Look Like That One Girl, Bog Boy, Montez Sham Wow, Felnez 63, Alita Pui, Probably My Jugs, Kate Thackeray, Wade Peck, Charlie V, A Lizard, Bryant Watson, Luke Ashley, Jay Rich, Jen Lasseter, Topher Williams, Alina Mettler, and Neil Chesin. Hey! Yeah. Thank you all so much. Woo! Thank you. Yes, thank you, because with your help and support, we were able to get this one in the bag. Huh? Like Jason's mask. Oh, yeah. In, the, in this one. Just... Not the rest of it. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. Yeah. Until next time. <laughs>